0: Here we go. We are continuing with the mania of Wrestlemania. I am your host, the mandated reporter, and frankly, I'm mortified, Mr. Mark Radledge. And we are looking at WrestleMania 14, X-rated, Wrestlemania 15, The Rage and Climax, and Wrestlemania 2000, or Wrestlemania 16, or the McMahon Family Feud, however you like it. Tonight, uh, as you can see, if you're watching this on video, I am joined by Stewart from 411mania.com. How do you do, sir?
1: Hi, everyone. Hi, Mark. Uh, yeah, thanks very much for for having me. I'm really pleased and excited to be here for these uh, these three manias, um, the the Pete Rose trilogy. Um, <laughs> and I'm I'm not even I'm not even kidding. I'm not even joking. That's not an ironic statement. Like I'm, I'm genuinely uh, really excited to talk about uh, the the three the three most perfect WrestleManias in a row. I think this uh, set my stall out with that quite early. So, yeah.
0: All right. Hot takes. Thanks very much um, for having me. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, you reached out to me when you, when you, I guess you'd been watching the series, and you was like, hey, when you guys get to 14, 15, 16, um, you know, please have me on because I, I, I want to talk about this. And now I want to hear what, uh, what you're so passionate about these three particular WrestleManias for. What made you decide to jump on tonight?
1: So I, I mean, aside from the the obvious point of being able to get back onto a podcast with yourself, Mark, um, you know, little little bit of a little bit of love there. <laughs> um, the, these shows, I would say, came at um, like quite an important time. I say in my life generally, but it was it was important for. Um, for sort of getting into wrestling and the availability of wrestling. Like, as you can probably tell from my accent, if you're listening um, or watching, I'm not from the US, I'm from Scotland. And the availability of wrestling up to, you know, the late 90s was very much, um, it was either reliant on, you know, videotapes uh, or knowing someone who had satellite or having satellite yourself. And I, I kind of was stuck with the first one so while i watched wrestling up to this point there was no order to it there was no real uh, continuity to my watching so i'd very much watch the, sh- the shows in, in their own bubble you know so it would start with wrestlemania 3 in the early 90s was probably the first uh, wrestling i remember watching and it would suddenly jump to five you know and then a summer slam and then you know a king of the ring tournament a few years later so it was all out of order it was all out of whack and i just i knew who these guys were but I didn't. I didn't watch the show until um, WrestleMania 15 properly. It was the first time that I was able to get access to the recordings, to the tapes, and mm-hmm. to the pay-per-views as they were happening. Um, so my wrestling fandom, um, for better or worse, started, you know, 23 years ago in earnest with WrestleMania 15.
0: I was telling Pat on our last show. The uh, the 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 era that we covered before this, the new generation era, is probably like my my dimmest memories of wrestling. Um, I had watched wrestling as a kid. You know, as we documented this series, I've talked about I grew up watching wrestling uh, in the '80s with Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant, Million Dollar Man. Like I used to watch all of that on Saturday Night's main event. You know, as it was happening. Uh, living in New York. I watched the superstars of wrestling on whatever this syndicated channel was in New York at the time. So all of that stuff I grew up with. And then my, all my friends liked wrestling and I watched it all the way through junior high. I can remember being at my friend's um, confirmation party and we watched WrestleMania six and I can still remember my dad uh, talking about like, is this match ever going (laughs) to (laughs) end? He he took a dim view of wrestling in total. Um,
2: yeah, <laughs> but, I remember,
0: but I remember like uh, probably around the time of the steroid trial and thereafter, like th- those years where they were bringing in guys like Diesel and Razor, uh, the one, two, three kid, um, the early days of Raw, I just didn't watch. So, so that's a lot of high school for me. I think by the time I hit high school, I had kind of just gotten past wrestling and, and didn't follow it. What got me back in in 1996 was the... Uh, I started watching around the build up to WrestleMania 12 and I saw all these new guys coming in like Mick Foley, Steve Austin, uh, The Rock will show up at the, I think the 96 um, Survivor Series in New York City, yeah. which I was there live for that with uh, Sean and Sid. So all these new characters are coming in and I'm really taking a liking to when, especially when Steve Austin, uh, which is really like the, the big part of the subject we're going to be talking about tonight. This is the Austin era years. Uh when he makes the switch from the Ringmaster to Stone Cold, you know, and then he has that feud with poor Brian Pillman. <laughs> the old Pillman's got a gun segment. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, I I was riveted at that point between, <laughs> between Austin, between Brian Pillman pulling a gun on Steve Austin and all the stuff that was happening with the NWO in nineteen ninety-six. I Monday night was musty TV for me. Yeah, And then um, and then I stuck with it. And then 97, you know, uh, I don't know if you still, I, I had given up listening to the uh, Bruce Pritchard podcast a long time ago for a variety of reasons. But yeah. Conrad had, when I was listening, Conrad had said at the time, he was like 1997 might be like his most favorite year in wrestling. And that's uh, that's where we ended our last show and where we're going to pick up this one. Because 97 really is like, 96, 97 are really like the prologue to what what we're talking about. We covered that on our last show, but it's the end of the new generation and like the beginnings of attitude. But it's really after WrestleMania 13 that you have the big Sean Brett like blood feud. You have Brett who who had turned heel at WrestleMania 13. Uh, They did the big double turn with him and Austin uh, in their submission match where you know the infamously you had the you know Austin wearing the crimson mask and yeah. bleeding out of his head and you wouldn't give up and all that um did you want to jump in no no not at all sorry no okay uh <laughs> so um and then after that you know bret hart this, that's the also the infamous sean loses his smile and he's in and he's out and no one knows what he's doing and he says he's retiring and then he's not um and then he would come back i think over the summer but 1997 sees a lot of big things happen. You have evil Canadian Hart Foundation, Bret Hart, where he's doing promos in the middle of the ring saying Canada's great, U.S. stinks, and he's he's only a heel and everywhere but Canada. Uh, my favorite.
1: My, that's that, that's my uh, favorite Bret Hart, I have to admit. Um, that's like everyone's I, favorite Bret Hart. Yeah, I, I will say I, I kind of agree with Pat, with Bret Hart. I'm not going to lie here. I, I, I'm, uh, yeah. That's all i'll say on that just now i was hoping you would be here yeah. for me me to agree with uh, agree with him on that but
0: <laughs> yeah we, we we've kidded about bret hart taking things just a wee bit too seriously um but yeah he's great as like as canadian hero american anti-hero bret hart that whole Hart foundation year, i think uh was it 97 was the year of the canadian stampede uh,
1: 97 uh, was yeah, 97, uh, I'd be lying if I told you the month. I, I, I feel like I'm like, mixing it up had a to have been July. Series. I think it was yeah, July. Yeah, we'll, we'll it was definitely through. 97.
0: Yeah, we'll go through it because I believe um, the Canadian Stampede leads into the SummerSlam where Sean kicked uh, the Undertaker in the face. And then, um, yeah, we'll, we'll go, I'll go over it momentarily. But uh, I, I feel like the Canadian Stampede was, like, everyone's favorite pay-per-view for, like, the next decade. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. I, it, um, I mean, probably the best one match show in wrestling yeah. history. I would say maybe that or that or probably the ninety-two rumble. Yeah, like j- just one match carrying it to this like, like um you know upper the upper tier right. of pay-per-view history All kind of level, you know.
0: And if you just sold the VHS of just that match, people would buy it. Like, nobody cares about the rest of it. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. I, I couldn't tell you one other match on either of those shows without mm-hmm. having my, my my memory prodded slightly, I think. So, yeah, I think that says a lot.
0: <laughs> so the summer of 97, like I said, Sean and Triple H start doing their backstage antics in front of the camera. And you get Degeneration X. And so you've got the Heart Foundation, you've got Degeneration X, and then you've got the rise of uh, Steve Austin as, as a face, uh, as, as a hero character. So you've got like three hot characters or groups in 1997. Yeah. Um, just to kind of chronicle things here. The next show after – so the other thing that's happening during this year is that The Undertaker had won the belt from Sid at WrestleMania 13 because he was like the least worst option at the time. (laughs) Um, He is in like a blood feud with Mick Foley, and they have a return match. I feel like their last return match for a while at the next pay-per-view, which is In Your House 14, Revenge of the Taker. Um, Wow, that's that's – such
1: a dreadful name for a show. <laughs> Revenge of the take. Yeah, it sounds sound like the the nineteenth Halloween movie or something, you know. <laughs> awful. Absolutely awful. Funnily, you, you you guys were talking about on the last show about like Taker kind of being put into this like kind of giant slaying kind of gimmick, you know, and he was getting mm-hmm. pegged with guys like uh, giant Gonzalez and stuff through a lot of this this era. And it, it's such a, a waste when you consider that you know i know he didn't uh he didn't become probably the undertaker really until around the attitude era really in terms of that sort of um yeah. you know aura behind him and this sort uh of, you know the the locker room leader kind of character as well but they i just say it's such a, a wasted opportunity through that era
0: they weren't really using him as a guy they were using him as an attraction so it was like yeah. what what monster can we put with the undertaker this time? You know, it was always like, what, what, what attraction are we going to make out of the undertaker? He becomes like a fully formed character during this hour. And that's another fun thing. Like, you know, I know Pat and some of the other guys I interact with are not huge fans of the undertakers wrestling, but you can't argue that from like 13 on for a very long time, the undertaker is not an attraction. He is a main character in this play that they're yeah. telling. And it's, and it it's and a lot of it's great. Like, We'll talk about it in a little bit, but like his, um, his Ministry of Darkness era. First of all, that's always like my favorite theme.
1: Yeah. You know, when, oh when, yeah. When... Well, I'll 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 take that and raise you the corporate ministries theme. Although, otherwise, yeah, I mean it de- definitely up there. Although the corporate ministries theme's a, a bit of a jam. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: So this uh, In Your House 14, the big ones here are The Undertaker defeats Mankind for the title in about 20 minutes. And then Steve Austin has a return match with Bret Hart, which ends in disqualification. Um, And then that leads to the following month, which is Cold Day in Hell, which is Steve Austin's shot at the title. Um, And The Undertaker ends up defeating him in about 20 minutes, which I remember from what I remember, it was a fairly decent match. The Undertaker and Steve Austin, for the most part worked pretty well together um and that leads us to the king of the ring 1997 which uh the the only thing that really comes out of this if i remember correctly is (laughs) god this was (laughs) 97 was quite the mixed bag but um we start to see you know the amalgamation of like the new heart foundation i think this is where we started getting those promos like where Bret Hart's trying to mend fences with uh, with everybody and you know, make this big group of him, Owen, Jim Neidhart, and the Bulldog, and then Brian Pillman would be added. So that's what's happening around this time. Um, the uh, Steve Austin and Shawn Michaels are in a t- are in a tag team, I think. Uh, though they they fought each other on this show and it ends in the d- double disqualification. Then I think they ended up being a tag team or they were a tag team prior to that. The Undertaker defeated Farouk in a match nobody cared about but the big Except thing for, for here,
1: Farouk and his family <laughs> yeah
0: the, the the big thing here uh that uh, the only real thing of note especially with what we're going to talk about as the show progresses is last year at the 96 king of the ring trip uh, allegedly triple h was supposed to win the thing but he gets delayed a year which pat and i talked about that the last show like when you you know he Triple H just told the story about the curtain call so many times, like, "Oh, I was punished! I was punished!" It was like, okay, once again, the hog pen stuff happened well before that, and your punishment lasted a whole month. By the next year, you're being primed to be in like the you know the, either the upper mid card or the main event. Please quit your bitching, sir. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't like he uh, he wasn't really. Hurting after the curtain call, I really don't think. I mean, aside from the the um, planned King of the Ring win being pushed, and again, that's probably a, a little bit of allegedly in there as well. I think,
2: mm-hmm. um,
1: you know, that the the guy was he was very strongly rehabbed very very quickly. If yeah. it was the case that he was punished, um, and certainly by the time our Mania fourteen rolls round, there there's no distinguished like distinguishable blemishes on his, his resume really aside from man, the same kind of junk that everyone went through having survived the new generation you know
0: <laughs> right I was gonna say like is not isn't, isn't ninety seven his big like you know his big match on Raw with quote unquote cactus Jack you
2: know?
1: 90, Yeah that was in the was that after I feel like that was after the summer if memory serves yeah right was, I, 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 I want to say it was
0: around September because I think it's around the same time Oh, it's, it's after SummerSlam where Steve uh, uh, cracks his neck. Um, and so yep. I think it's the same, because I was at that Raw. And it's the same episode where I think Steve Austin has to turn the title over to McMahon, and that's the first time he ever stuns him, which you want to see a place come unglued. Like, you know, people talk about now, like, oh my God, CM Punk walking out on Rampage on AEW in the place, you know, men were crying, you know, babies were being <laughs> thrown in the air. It was, people were born again. Um I was there in '97 when Steve Austin stunned McMahon, and we almost burnt the garden down. Yeah, <laughs> like uh,
1: one the, 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 one thing I'll drop in at this juncture. I mean, I think mm-hmm. we'll have plenty of chance for it to come up again over the next, uh, mm-hmm. you know, two and a half years. But um, considering he he spent such a long time in a program with Steve Austin, I don't think there's anyone who took the stunner as badly as Vince McMahon. And I know he's <laughs> I, I I know he's 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 not a wrestler. I know that. Sure. But also, like, considering it's maybe the hot, the hottest, most profitable angle in wrestling history, mm-hmm. if we're honest about it. Those it's stunners, funny. Man, oh, my.
0: They're <laughs> taking the stunner badly like Scott Hall at WrestleMania 18. You know, yeah. he takes the stunner and throws himself just out of the ring yelling, I, I regret nothing. Um, <laughs> then there's the way Vince McMahon took it where like Steve Austin hit him with the stunner and he and every bone in his body seemed to have broke
1: (laughs) yeah I mean I think that maybe the one one positive about the way that Vince takes a stunner Mm -hmm. and I I would maybe argue to a point I've got a feeling that Sergeant Slaughter took one in a similar way if memory serves me right but I would suppose it would be it made it look pretty real like I think that Steve Mm -hmm. had to really hit that move for real real to get them to react, like that. you know, there, there was no, 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 um, which we'll get to, there was no, um, Rocky, my via theatrics. There was no Scott Hall overselling. There was just, mm-hmm. um, I, I need you to go down for this move and I need you to sell it. So your next coming with me, uh,
2: yeah.
1: Vince, you know, Sarge, whoever yeah. took it. Um, don't, yeah, don't,
0: don't get too attached to your neck. Cause I'm going to shove my shoulder right into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, we're we're building towards SummerSlam 1997 here. Uh, we have Sean back full-time, and Sean Sean and The Undertaker are gonna carry the fall uh, into Survivor series. But before we get there, the last great WWF Bret Hart memory. This is before this is really like the the end of his career in terms of a high point. Um, and, and I want to take a moment just to reflect on that because when you think about what's gonna happen next to poor old Bret Hart. Um, as he carries the title into survivor series this is the last like really good high profile memory i have of the guy um he's in the main event with the heart foundation in canada this is the canadian stampede this is the show we were talking about a few minutes ago that's like everyone's favorite show of this era um it's so it's the heart foundation versus this mixed up mix of a team Ken, Ken Shamrock, Gold Dust, the the Road Warriors and Steve Austin and of course that's 25 minutes and they get beat. Uh same show the Undertaker defended the title against Vader before he completely loses um loses standing with the company. But uh, what yeah, what, no. a mi-
1: what a missed opportunity. What I like realistically the fact that that's probably the only time that his name is going to come up on this show Vader. Like, uh, yeah, I just feel like such a ridiculously um dropped ball! i had such a, a dropped ball by the company with vader like the guy was legit the guy had a look the guy had an entrance um, mm-hmm. and I, I think that coming into this era i mean i know that there was the kind of larger larger than life entrances and stuff but i mean when vader came out you noticed you know with the big the, the big helmet and everything he was right. different um yeah jim uh, Cornette
0: said that backstage he didn't do himself a tremendous amount of favors i again, mean, i don't disagree with you i think all things being equal and everyone behaving the way they're supposed to like i've said about yeah. the warrior sure vader could have been ama- especially coming up you know like once you get rid of sean and his pansy ass you know yeah. and, and brett leaves and you now you need, you need solid made of enters for steve austin which I, I i will hit upon this again because the 98 run with steve austin is very much like well we've got this great Baby face. We've got the leader of this company. He is putting us on his back and taking us to the moon. And yeah. then it's like, okay, well, who's he going to fight? <laughs> <laughs> oh crap! We have no healer Not a one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Vince, we have a problem. Oh, <laughs> oh. oh. Um, but like, like, can you imagine, like, the day after WrestleMania, and he starts a feud with Vader, like a primed, yeah. ready Vader. as opposed to one who had fallen to pieces by then but yeah like we talked pat and i talked about this in 96 how much like they didn't really in they tried investing in vader and i think it's half you know sean and half just vader's own behavior and so by 97 he was like he was like yokozuna was a few years before that just all right we're done with you now but um going back to this yeah, this is the, this is the last one. Uh, just anything else about the before we move on from this? Anything else about the Canadian Stampede and how great that match was?
1: I mean, that's that's realistically all that can be said about that show. Mm-hmm. Let's let's be completely honest about it. It's the only thing that stands the test of time with mm-hmm. it at all. I think that, as you said, it's it's um, notable only for the fact that it's Bret Hart's last real positive interaction within the company. Yeah. Before what what comes later in the year. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, uh, the epitome of a one match, one match event, a hundred percent, but also what a match, what a match, one of the best of the nineties for sure. So,
0: you know, after Brad Hart dropped the title to Sean at WrestleMania 12 and then went away and did Lonesome Dove and stuff like that. Then he comes back and he's feuding with Austin and, um, and then he's supposed to have a return match at 13 with Sean, but Sean's jerk. So it doesn't happen. Also, The Undertaker nearly breaks his back in the process. Yeah. Uh so a little, little from column A, a little from column B. Um, but you know, Brett's gone a long time without the title now. And it, you know, and again, kind of looking at this era, Brett Hart is your number one heel in the company. And so he gets uh so he's gonna get his shot with the Undertaker coming up at this SummerSlam. But they gotta, you know, but they're gonna from there they're gonna build the story and they have all summer with Sean and Brett. They're gonna build towards their, uh, their return match finally, finally, finally at Survivor Series. But it starts in a very weird way because, wow. um, well, let me go back. So we have SummerSlam 1997, which is known for, again, a couple of things. One, this is the end of the Undertaker run with the title for a real long time. This is the, uh, the mixing backup of Brett and Sean. They put the title back on Brett, but that's only because he's going to drop it to Sean later. And presumably one of them was going to drop it to Austin the following at the following WrestleMania, but you know we'll get there. Uh, this is also the infamous pay per view where Steve Austin uh, gets the pile driver, the sit out pile driver from Owen Hart, and cracks yeah. his neck, and he's like all, his entire run. We almost don't have the next couple of years because of this. Like it, this was touch and go with whether or not he was even going to be able to uh, continue wrestling. If I remember correctly, what do you remember of the Owen Hart pile
1: driver on Steve Austin? So, I, I mean, I kinda mentioned at the start, a lot of my, um, a lot of my wrestling knowledge memories from pre 15 are, are more, um, you know, they came afterwards. So it was mm-hmm. more so after that digging okay. back and going back through the years that you started piecing together the jigsaw and how mm-hmm. these things, all came and if it wasn't for you know ending up becoming a bit of a, a nerd about it there's these things that you don't you know that you don't you don't pick up on you know you don't realize that that Austin cracked his neck mm-hmm. against Owen and who Owen even was at that stage you know you just right. um so I mean a lot of that was picked up in the last uh, in the, the few years after
2: mm-hmm.
1: becoming addicted and having access to the shows again and such so I mean I'll be honest with you, getting into it, I was never the biggest Austin fan. Okay. Um, and really? I'll, I'll, I'll kind of hold my hands up to that. Yeah, like, don't get me wrong, I didn't dislike the guy, but, I mean, um, I think that, especially in, in the UK, like, around the sort of WrestleMania 15 kind of era, when I started getting into it all, The the Rock was the star. Yeah. Whether he was the heel of the face, whatever he wanted, The Rock was the star, and you knew that this guy was something worth watching. You know in in some capacity and as a result here without prior knowledge to the characters or the 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 performers Mm -hmm. austin was austin was the 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 secondary character in in in, in, um wrestling at that stage quickly i would realize otherwise and it was then i sort of developed um you know an appreciation more for him but um yeah i just think that that it just shows you how close it could have been to a completely different landscape. You know, Austin sits out through 14 to 15. We don't have, we probably don't have the Attitude Era properly, no. you know. Um, and it, it, if we do, it's an Attitude Era that's driven by DX and, right. and the, sa- the same sort of backstage politics um, that Shawn Michaels brings to his company during the 90s. Um I was say, like, you think very different thing.
0: When you think about what's going to happen between Survivor Series and WrestleMania uh, 97 and 98, if you don't have Austin, who do you have? Because Brett's going to go. Yeah. Sean's going to be out. You don't have... I mean, I guess you go back to The Undertaker. I mean, who, yeah. who's left? Because Rock's yeah. not ready. Triple H isn't ready. They're going to be ready by the end of the year, uh, as we know, because we know what's going to happen yeah. uh, the years after. But I mean, y- y- you've... You've now had a year or two of the Undertaker and Mick Foley. You're going to get two to three more years of the
1: Undertaker and Mick I, Foley. I mean, I I think that realistically, and a in a bit of a what if, and this is um kind of purely on the spot. I'm thinking of this, but mm-hmm. one name that sticks out as a potential push for the end of '97 with no Hart Michaels, well, no Hart, no Austin. It's Ken Shamrock at that at that point yeah. in his career. I think and it, it sounds kind of scary to to mention it as, as potentially him being the number two name in the company but the guy was legit he'd just come off of uh, mm-hmm. you know his, his um his UFC run wanted the the schedule of the wrestling and and the guy was he was in that can Canadian imagine... stampede match
0: I was gonna say can you imagine a world where Ken Shamrock gets Brock Lesnar's push
1: I mean'm yeah. and, and like a guy at the company. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, suddenly I want to live in that universe. Um, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah no. That's the multiverse I want to be in, yeah.: <laughs> um,
0: I'm going to just sort of just toss this out there, but I'm not going to hit the ball uh, for another few minutes because it really it's part of the Survivor Series conversation. But you know, when you think about the the Montreal uh, screw job, the <laughs> had people been rational? people have been rational uh, the obvious choice was to have put the belt on Shamrock you know yeah. um, but it, it just it, it didn't happen and because I even think Jim Cornette was like why don't we just put the belt on Shamrock then we'll just have him lose the Shamrock because even yeah. if you even if you did Brett versus Shamrock on raw and you know and Sean cost them the title and then and then it's Shamrock and Sean um, at, at the December pay-per-view or at the Survivor series it's like okay fine you know whatever whatever we need to get get this story moving along and it's you know and i never you never it's kind of like when austin talks about the the brock lesnar thing and it's like like well i don't like the creative okay but you've never said what the creative was <laughs> then you know <laughs> when they like well why don't we just put the belt on shamrock and then jim Cornette will start talking about something else like well why yeah. didn't they
1: put the belt on shamrock I, like what was yeah. the reasoning like never I talk mean- about At at this point, from, again, from a sort of, maybe a a bit of a revisionist history, but Mm -hmm. uh, um, Shamrock was still fairly well protected at this stage within Mm -hmm. the company. You know, he hadn't been, um, I think certainly by, perhaps by 14, but certainly by 15, he had fallen into that intercontinental slash European Mm -hmm. title sort of slot. He was very much a a strong mid-card hand at this stage. Um, by the time that rolls around. But late 97, the guy's legit. Yeah. And it, it would have taken very little at all to make him look like an absolute killer in
2: yeah. the eyes
1: of the fans. If you looked at another way you said about, um, you know, giving him the Brock Lesnar push, what if um, what if we give him the Kurt Angle push?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. E- even, even as an existing talent, if Shamrock um, is away from TV a couple of weeks, comes mm-hmm. back, hits that ankle lock funnily enough you know Mm. um and and starts tapping people out especially if it's guys with uh with a name behind them as well you know guys in the company at the time i know that we'll get to the rock in a moment Mm -hmm. with him but um you know the guys such as triple h for example Mm sake um give him vader at this point if you know vader's still in the company he's on he's on the way out he's not favored backstage
0: we never got Ken Shamrock dan severin which breaks my heart like
1: yeah it, it literally i think that there's there's not a match that writes itself easier than than that other than hogan flair <laughs> you yeah know, in, in terms of uh, just easy really easy storytelling that's yeah. it
0: great missed opportunities you know um i it's i i want to live in the world where wrestlemania 15 because but you know so austin gets the pilot driver breaks his neck never comes back they got to figure out what to do and uh and you know shamrock ends up being the guy instead and then to you know and then the the end of wrestlemania 15 the main event of wrestlemania 15 is shamrock Severn.
1: Oh, pants everywhere just (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean the the thing with that is and now i know we're kind of talking about it um Mm -hmm. you know in a what if situation but realistically if you if you think about what that would mean to shamrock's push and how he would be presented Mm -hmm. through Late '97 through 1998, it would probably have transitioned into being a very Austin-esque push. Anyway, mm-hmm. I mean, certainly, I think that, that there wouldn't have been a great deal of um, difference between characters. With right. a, a, a legitimately serious and protected Ken Shamrock, um, mm-hmm. and you put you put him up against Vince in a sort of boss boss versus employee sort of situation. You've still got a legitimate badass. Yeah, I mean, the the character they
0: gave him was that, you know, is that he would be calm, cool, and collected. He was a serious athlete. He was a legitimate badass, and and then he'd lose his mind. and You know? So so imagine, (laughs) like, that that day after WrestleMania scenario, but it's Ken Shamrock and and not McMahon, and it's not you don't represent the company. It's like, okay, I'm going to need you to do this, and Ken Shamrock just loses his mind, and he ankle locks Vince, you know? All right, so back to SummerSlam. I was there. Not there, but I was watching when uh, Owen Hart hit the pile driver on Austin it's ugly man like you don't yeah. necessarily see the impact because his head's between his thighs and whatnot but like you can see Owen Hart trying to like vamp when it, you know as Steve yeah. Austin's paralyzed on the mat and then in one of those moments where they're still trying to protect Austin they're still trying to sell him as a badass you get Quite literally the worst roll-up I've ever seen in the history of wrestling. It's one of those where like if you're wrestling with your toddler, you know, and you bump (laughs) for (laughs) him.
1: I don't I don't bump for my kids. I don't bump for my kids. They got those they gotta learn. (laughs) And I I I I know sell to them like a young bucks match. Just super kicking toddlers <laughs> all over the house. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. yeah the babies. I, just, I, 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 use a <laughs> use a little the little one as a weapon against the big one, and if they hit me, you something I pop back up.
0: Fine. Gotcha. <laughs> you, nip, you nip up, huh? Um,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> he rolled. He rolled up. All, uh, go if you go go back and look at the footage. He rolls up Owen, and Owen's like turtle. You know? Oh I, no,
1: I can't I possibly still, get out of this. I still don't. Know how Austin was able to do that? Sure. I, I I really I don't know. Like, well, watch, but... yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, like, watching it back, I I think that mm. it's. I mean, Owen basically ragdolls him into the position. Admittedly, I yeah. think there's uh, not a lot of uh, not a lot of <laughs> it as Steve at this point, but yeah. I, I I mean, I, I'm surprised that didn't exacerbate the injury. It maybe did um well, just the that fact that he had to, to move afterwards you know
0: and I and I don't and I don't want to say this because I I love Owen Hart and it breaks my heart what's going to happen to him in the next year or so um yeah but they didn't stop the match they didn't stop the pay-per-view after they murdered a guy in the you know <laughs> unfortunately yeah. in a terrible accident um they're not stopping for this but it, by yeah. all rights they absolutely should have called the match then like when once yeah. Austin's like I I can't feel anything. The, the ref should have been like, and we're done. That's it. But yeah. it was a different time. And it was like, all yeah. right, well, as long as you're breathing, you, you you can, you know, we'll still go with the, with the finish of the match. It's like, he's paralyzed. Maybe, maybe get him on a board and out of there. But no, yeah. all badass as he was, they drag his carcass to the back so everyone can see him go. And then, you know, Austin has talked about this. So like, well, I think my career is done. And Vince yeah. McMahon's like, Let's hold the phone on that. Let's have you come yeah, out on. We'll raw see. Yeah, <laughs> we'll have you come out on Raw every weekend with your broken neck, stun people. <laughs> you know. Yeah, you
1: know. yeah, but nothing, nothing, nothing helps a broken neck like a bump to your lower spine. <laughs> yeah. What?
0: I understand you. I understand you got a stinger and you know and your neck's messed up. But what if you just jump on your ass once a week for the next <laughs> six weeks? How do you feel about that? Yeah. Anyway. There you go, Steve. <laughs> so that's SummerSlam. um in the main event uh, sean giraffe uh sean and brett can't get along sean goes to kick brett he misses he hits the undertaker brett wins um which is nice and all and you know he'll never quite understand the wwe's incessant need to cut off its nose to spite its face but they put the title on brett and then then he's in a feud with the patriot which is fine, but it's secondary to Sean versus The Undertaker at the next pay per
1: view. Yeah. The Patriot.
0: Which, don't get me wrong, Ground Zero is a great match. Like, their, their first Ground Zero match is awesome that ends with them being, you know, trying to murder each other and the, the entire locker room separating them and dragging them out, screaming at one another. That's the one yeah. with the infamous shot of The Undertaker yeeting over the top rope <laughs> into the
1: cameraman. Yeah. <laughs> ah! Yeah. Y- y- years before it was. Um... Uh, Sim was it Sim Snooker that he landed on uh, following I think WrestleMania 23 or 24 he landed on one of the Snooker kids yeah. later later went on to be Juice and or Domino. Um, <laughs> that was so this was the, the first Undertaker cameraman bump. <laughs>
0: yeah. I have to, yeah, but I have a distinct memory of that Ground Zero pay per view of just the Undertaker and showing how great that match was, and then and then there's poor Brett like. I'm over here wrestling the Patriot. I think
1: nobody. Yes, yeah. <laughs> poor yeah. Del Wilkes, Poor Brett. <laughs> um, it's still like the the Patriot was was so outdated by this point as well. Like it really didn't belong in in what was forming the 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 it, Attitude it, Era. Really, I know we're not into it in earnest still at this mm-hmm. stage, but I just feel that there were so many uh, better That's opportunities nice for Brett at this point.
0: It was a nice idea and with some better writing and some more focus on it. I mean, clearly the focus was on Sean and the Undertaker at this point and not really on Brett. But that's what I mean when I say like they put the title on Brett, but they might as well have thrown it in the trash. Like they just nobody cared. Like the the big story here is Sean and the Undertaker at the end of 97. So that takes us to Bad Blood, which is the first ever. um, This is monumental for this era. That's why we need to talk about it. This is the first ever Hell in a Cell match. This is the first appearance of Kane. That is all this show is good for. (laughs)
1: <laughs> like yeah. there, there's a lot of one match shows during this era <laughs> yeah very very much um i think that if if in you know in late 1997 you look at uh you look at bad blood and you sort of tell someone at that point the importance mm-hmm. of kane debuting i don't think they would believe you in a million years um well- that... kane
0: was in that long, when you first see kane he's in that long line of like giant Gonzales, and you know and all these yeah. monsters that they put with the undertaker he too and as i said about the undertaker they both start out start out as attractions they start out as yeah. basically implements of an angle and then become
1: characters over time
0: beloved characters at that
1: yeah yeah um I mean, it's it's still one of the one of one of the more famous commentary calls as well. Um, when Kane is uh, Kane's coming out, because obviously they teased him for teased him for weeks at this point. Um, mm-hmm. You know, with Paul Bearer um, telling telling the Undertaker of of what was what was to come and all, all that sort of stuff. And I don't think anyone really saw it like you say. You know, it was very much um, you know under faker slash Giant Gonzalez slash um, token token big man. Mm -hmm. to to face off against uh against taker and And what a
0: debut like he comes in and like rips the door off like this thing the the undertaker Shawn michael's feud is so bad it's so violent they need this extra big cage in order to keep it all under control and here comes kane and he rips
1: the door right off it's like well (laughs) yeah 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 um but i mean like kane was was um i mean he was scary at the time you know i mean i'm i'm not uh I'm not saying that like adults or anything were sitting, uh, you know, wetting themselves at the sight of him or anything. But, you know, the lights down, the music, the the the, the presence of the guy was pretty unique at the time, I mm. think, especially. Red lighting. Um, yeah, I mean, that that's um, like that's that that was huge at the time. And I just remember thinking that, you know, this guy was really impressive. It's a shame mm. that he's going to be wasted, admittedly. You know, I, I knew that he was still around uh, by the time that, you know, WrestleMania 15 rolls around and everything. But again, sort of looking back to him debuting, and th- I think that we would look at it in the same way now if, you know, just another another big guy.
0: Well, look at the comparison to, like, The Fiend. Against, you, know, you know, they debut The Fiend yeah. against Seth Rollins and, you know, and um, no, sorry, it was against Finn Balor. And, you know, they do very similar thing. You know, they dim the lights and there's smoke and it's eerie. Like I remember Pat and Robert Winfrey and a whole bunch of people like, oh my God, best intro to a character ever with The Fiend. It was very Kane-esque. Yeah. And they yeah. handled both characters about the same. <laughs> um, so.
1: Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll we'll get to how Kane was handled within, what, five months of his debut in a, in yeah. a moment. Yeah. Um, but
0: yeah, uh, so that's bad blood, and that gets us to the infamous Survivor Series. Um, I want to get to WrestleMania 14. It's why we're all here. Uh, but it it, it does need to be discussed. Uh, but before we do, this is the return match of Steve Austin versus Owen Hart. He's, his neck is in good enough shape that he can get back in the ring again, and so he uh, he gets his Owen Hart gets his come up, and Steve Austin beats him in less than <laughs> five minutes. Oi. <Oy>. Um, <laughs> And we're off to the races with at this point, it's 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 we're headed to WrestleMania with Austin. We yeah. know we know that we've got at least our you know the guy that's gonna take us into the next generation here. Um so he he's pretty much solid. Uh we're starting to build all the people that are gonna participate in WrestleMania 14. So uh this is the gang rule show, if you'll remember. This is everyone's in a faction, but all all anyone talks about. All yep. anyone talks about is the stupid Montreal screw job. It's been talked to death. There was a dark side of the ring on it. Yep. Sean's talked it to death. Bret Hart's talked it to death. Jim Cornette's talked it to death.
1: Got, we you should know, controversially pro- pretend it doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, Just skip it. Next paper. There was a minor incident. Move <laughs> yes. on. Yeah, quite 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 the angle at the end of Survivor series, which led us into the final pay per view of nineteen
0: ninety seven. look, we all know what, what happened. Uh they 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 got into a locker room fight earlier than that, and Sean, you know, Brett trying to mend allegedly trying to mend fences with sean says hey i just want to know i'll never hurt you in the ring and sean says the first chance i get i'm gonna hurt you um or something to that effect like i'm never you know i'll i'm always willing to put you over sean and sean said i know you are i will never do the same for you and then proceeded to walk off with his you know his peacock plumes just just waving in the breeze um and brett's like wtf man um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> At which point, Brett's like, yeah, I'm never dropping the title to him. This is ridiculous. Like, we are in an environment where we are supposed to work with each other, and this asshole can't, you know, can't even <laughs> do the professional thing and lose when he's supposed to. And Sean's yeah. like, no, I, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna have a sandwich. And then yeah. <laughs> Vince is like, I mean, he has a point. He's gonna have a sandwich, Brett. And Brett's like, I can't live here anymore. Um, yeah. So <laughs> Brett's gonna go to. Brett's gonna go to WCW for you know a ridiculous amount of money and be utterly wasted. But before he does, yeah. they gotta take the title off of him, which is what they intended to do anyway. Um, I mean, I think it was always gonna be Sean and Austin. They just needed to get there. Yeah. Um, but Brett's like, no, he, he told me he won't lose to me, so I'm not gonna lose to him. Yeah. And they fight and they fight and they fight and they argue and they argue and they argue, and there's hemming and hawing, and finally, you know, whoever the was that suggested it, whether it was and at this point, everyone's taking credit for this Montreal Screwjob. It was me. I did it. It was my idea. Yay. It was me,
1: Austin. It was me all along. Yeah. yeah. So for the sake of argument, <laughs> we'll
0: just say it was Jim Cornette. And he's yeah. the one that's, that's most recently said it was my idea. Where he's like, look, just fuck him in the ring. And, and so yeah. they do. Um, I watched it live. I watched it with my friends. And wrestling is at its best when it convinces you something real is happening. You know? Yeah. I talked about like with the Austin uh, Owen thing where like he rose him up and I'm like, that's the fakest thing. I mean, I know why it's happening and I sympathize, but it's the fakest looking thing ever to the point where it took me out of the match. It took me out of the whole yeah. of the show. Really? I'm like, come on guys. Like, this is awful. Um, this was the exact opposite. Like I legit, like even before the screw job, I legit thought those two guys were going to kill each other. Yeah. I bought the psychology of that match, hook, line, and sinker. I, I I remember I wrote about it the next day on whatever blog I was writing for, and I was like legitimate. I legitimately thought they weren't working anymore. That's how good that match is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean it, it, as as again we'll would say that sort of one match uh, one match show, I actually think that's unfair on this event. I think it's a pretty good top to bottom card mm-hmm. um for this Survivor series in in fairness. But you know, it's only ever going to be Remembered and talked about for for this, um, and you know, there's nothing that either of us are going to be able to add to it at, at this juncture, really, that yeah. hasn't been said a million times. But it is intense, and even watching it now, and even even questioning it as the biggest work in wrestling history. Oh, there's still with, people who say it's a know, work. There's
0: the, to this day, they, there's the yeah, wrestlers yeah. and fans that still think that secretly Brett knew this was he, this all this was all wrong, but. Like the argument is, Brett knew, but Brett has to act like he doesn't know so that when Brett goes to WCW, he's the hottest guy there and yeah. he leaves them on a hot angle where he basically creates the McMahon character. And it's like, that's a lot of people keeping it's, some pretty big secrets. Yeah.
1: I mean, that, that, I, I don't think it's a work. I, I mm-hmm. don't for a second. But if you watch that match from the mindset that it is, it's
2: mm-hmm.
1: still one of the most intense real feeling wrestling matches in, in history yeah. I'd say. Yeah, and, no, and sure. You know, even even watching it with that mindset of this is fake, they know how it's ending. Brett's in on it, mm-hmm. it's still phenomenal. I think it speaks volumes to how good at their craft these two guys were and how good they were together. You um,
0: know the, the, compare Survivor Series 97 to WrestleMania 12. It's the it's just two completely different matches. And I'm going to go ahead and say that, you know, while I know a lot of the work rate snobs love WrestleMania 12, you know, they, they love Sean versus Brett. Most people do Some are like it's too long and it's a lot of rest holds. It's, um, it's, it's,
1: pretty, it's pretty long. <laughs> <laughs> it's,
0: it's, a, it's a bit long. Um yeah. <laughs> But I will tell you that I probably my favorite Sean Brett match is, is Survivor Series 97 and not because of the screw job that that's sort of a, you know, taking a shit on someone's filet mignon—it's just such a good match. Um, yeah. it, it really is. But it is what it is. It ends how it ends. I—it I, it did what it did. You um, know, when you think about what makes the Attitude Era, you know, why do we get the next three years that we do that we're talking about tonight? A lot of it is because of that Montreal screw job. For better or for worse, work or shoot, it—it it, you don't you take that away, you take Austin away maybe the WWF doesn't win the Monday Night Wars I I they are you know it's why we're spending such a long time on this particular part because you have to understand you don't get 98 99 and 2000 without everything that happens in 97. it is a it is probably the most monumental year in the WWF's history since like 85 86 in terms of like how it really affected the company and launched it forward. Because everyone thinks like, oh, you know, like Austin wins WrestleMania 14 and suddenly the company is a billion-dollar company. Like, no, 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 no. There's a whole history of things that had to happen for WrestleMania 14 to be what it was. So let's get there. Um, The next pay-per-view is dx uh, this is a who gives a shit other than the the opening package which became the dx opening theme made me laugh so hard i like shot beer out of my nose i
1: i I, 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 i'm actually really looking forward to to talking about the dx band in a couple of minutes (laughs) looking forward to talking about the dx band
0: you have to understand Uh, this is still the i mean you know yes they've been toying around with some naughty themes and you know and you know you have guys shoving salamis in their pants and whatnot but we're still kind of a kid company we're still kind of family entertainment and then it's like and our next pay-per-view strippers and you know, <laughs> yeah know, your face
1: yeah it's i think it's that uh, around that kind of time there's like the the, the christmas thongs as well and uh, the the <laughs> right. late 97 was the dx christmas thongs um i mean it's it's it was it was juvenile i mean i was um you know like 16 when i saw that first you know i thought it was was funny like it was the rise of south park and the attitude these things were were they were stupid you knew they were stupid but also you know, I'm nearly forty now, pattern. and I'm still laugh- I'm I'm still laughing at a Slammy down the pants. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, I have the Shawn Michaels jumping up in Jim Ross's face with his crotch just Yeah,
1: the windscreen wipers on the 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 <laughs> visor, very right. very um very current as well with the COVID. Uh, you know, get the face covering <laughs> on, get the get the wipers going. Nice, keep that spit out your face. Yeah,
0: <laughs> like I said, you know, like, the WWE always did good pay per view package. But the DX one was really in a, in a in a league of its own. Just you know, I, again, it's like it's always where you know we're coming, and it's such a it's a terrible fight, and it's so dramatic. And on our next show, sex, sex, sex. It's like, yikes!
1: <laughs> 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 yeah, oh, goodness, goodness, goodness. <laughs> yeah, Mr. McMahon, please. <laughs> 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 yup. Um,
0: and your main event is good old Ken Shamrock. What might have been Ken Shamrock versus yeah. uh, Shawn Michaels? A perfectly fine match. Um, yeah. This leads to yeah. uh now we're into the big push. This is Royal Rumble ninety-eight. Um, I, I want to show this one to my son because I believe this is the infamous one where
1: <laughs> you have the three faces of foley. It is, yeah, yeah. The the three faces of Foley ninety-eight. Um and I, I mean, that was joyous, really. Like it really mm. is. And I, I'm not even a massive McFoley fan mm. at, at this point. You know, I respect the guy. I like the guy and all, all but yeah, you know, I, I never really bought him the title winning stuff that came later.
0: Oh really? Oh, I was, I was happy. Yeah.
1: For him. <laughs> like, oh, I'm happy um, for him as a, as a person. Yeah. But yeah, we yeah. digress. Or yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> progress so needlessly.
0: The, so 98 Royal Rumble. There's two things that happen here of importance. One, you have Austin who wins the Rumble, and now it's, you know, bullet train to WrestleMania. Uh, he, he wins it by eliminating The Rock. The other fun thing that happens is, again, the three faces of Foley, which, you know, Foley is less a wrestler now and more, and more a beloved character. And it's, this is kind of the beginning of all of that. It really had been throughout the fall, too, with his, you know, the Cactus Jack bit with Triple H and all of that. But, I mean, I think yep. between the Cactus Jack dude love personas, this is where you know, and then what's going to happen in June of '98? This is this is really the solidifi- the solidifying of Mick Foley as like this permanently beloved character that they can always yeah. get this trusted hand that they can go to, yeah. Um, and one of the more entertaining guys on the roster, even if his wrestling was shit. You know, he was always he was always as a character entertaining. Yeah, um, absolutely,
1: very very uh very sports entertaining.
0: And speaking of breaking one's neck, this is the pay per view where Shawn Michaels breaks his back. To this yeah. day, I can't I. You know, Robert Winfrey likes to make fun of me for being squeamish. And there are certain things I can tolerate. I'll tell you what, not for nothing. And Sean Michaels landing on that casket the way he does. Every time they show it, I'm like, that hurts me. That is a bad bump, man. And I don't, you know, in another universe, I don't know how else he takes it without cracking his back. I mean, I guess he lands full on the casket instead of, you know, just the edge of it. But he nails himself, but good. And when yeah, we find, and when we get to the main event of WrestleMania, it shows like he's in a he he messed himself up good. I'm not surprised he took years off after this. That's a
1: yeah. bad bump. Um, yeah, it is. It is. It's, it's revolting. And I mean, it. I I actually was watching. Um, I was watching AEW Dynamite from last night, and it was uh, mm-hmm. you know for future reference on listening to this. It's the the Sammy Guevara Cody Rhodes ladder match, and there's a bump in that that reminded me straight away of, of Sean landing on the casket. And it's just he lands too high on his shoulders on Cody and the ladder. And the ladder's elevated pretty high as well. And mm-hmm. he just hits and flips forward. And quite honestly, I think if Cody hadn't been there, Sammy's breaking his back. <laughs> you know, it's it's like a a, a mirror image bump. Um mm-hmm. and and watching it with with that, I mean I winced when I saw that this morning. Um mm-hmm. and you know and, and it's for me. It's horrifying to see something like that. You know, you yeah. don't. You don't learn to fall off a twenty-foot ladder, as as, as famously uh, famously <laughs> said in the opening to to the pay per views from pretty much this point onward. But you don't yeah, learn so, to land on that a was, casket. That was, I that
0: <laughs> last night. It's it's in the archive now. We did an alternative commentary, like a live reaction to the whole the whole beach break show. Yeah, and both of us like. His spot, I thought you were actually going to say the one where he lands on where he lands on the bottom of the ladder on his torso because I, I honestly thought Whoa. he really injured himself. That Jeez, was awful. Yeah, yeah, poor, poor bastard. Um, <laughs> he, almost, he almost died wrestling. Uh, no, it was Matt Hardy almost died wrestling Sammy Guevara where he had yeah. in his head anyway. Um, the next is uh, this was a stop on the way to WrestleMania, but it's a who
1: gives a crap card. This yeah, is basically. Uh, actually, 1998 roadblock, wasn't it?
0: Uh, this was No Way Out of Texas,
1: is what this was. <laughs> um, no but, uh, it just yeah, kind of makes me laugh, really. No Way Out of Texas.
0: Yeah. Uh, this was supposed to have Shawn Michaels in it, but his back is tiny pieces of chalk at this point. So um, it's Cactus Jack, Terry Funk, who's Chainsaw, Char- Chainsaw Charlie, Owen Hart, Steve Austin versus... The new age outlaws, Savio Vegas sitting in for uh, Shawn Michaels and Triple H. And wouldn't you know, the good guys won. Who cares? Uh, so here we are, yeah. finally, WrestleMania 14, which is going to be X rated.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's ve- very, uh, ve- very, very. Um... Yeah, such a stupid tagline, really. Like <laughs> X-rated means one thing at that point. I mean, what this, this is the same era as like the Pam and Tommy tape and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like you, you're yeah. not getting you're not getting cheap buys for a wrestling honestly, pay-per-view like this. I honestly think they were
0: like they were working on the marketing for WrestleMania fourteen. Somebody had to pitch. Why don't we just call this one tits and ass? And they were like, You can't <laughs> be that obvious about it.
1: <laughs>
0: what if it's just TNA? years later um yeah so. yeah
1: <laughs> prophetic isn't it <laughs> yeah so anyway
0: uh wrestlemania 14 they get tyson you know the, the 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 one lead lead into all of this is the uh the episode of tyson where austin and him getting a shoving match mm-hmm. uh, tyson jo- tyson joins dx and now he's going to be the special enforcer like you know Allah muhammad ali um yeah so here's the card as it were uh, we have the Tag Team Battle Royal, which reintroduces the Road Warriors in their futuristic outfits, joined by Sunny, who at this point had been managing her 87th Tag Team. Um Anything about the Battle Royal? What was your reaction to the Road Warriors coming out in their stupid outfits?
1: So, I I, I like the Road Warriors, and mm. there's a part of me that likes Sunny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, sure. Even now, I it's guess part of all of us. I think. I, I front think front of, if I'm, yeah. I mean, I think even even now. I mean, I think I'm a big believer in the crazier she gets, the more attainable she becomes. Um, <laughs> for 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 the the average Joe. Um, sure. but anyway. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I I I think this was um exactly what I wanted it to be. We get similar matches, uh, certainly at Wrestlemania 2000, um, in Mm -hmm. terms of just a a cluster F of a a match. Um, Highlight probably is uh, one of the Legion of Doom, or one of the Road Warriors, rather. I can't remember. I think it was Animal at this point. um, Picking up a non-gimmicked fire extinguisher. (laughs) Um, Okay. So yeah, that that was pretty good. Just floods floods the the, the ringside and <laughs> an act, actual actual well, fire extingue. You know. I, I
0: was there live for this. I, I was in Boston when this happens. We're still, by the way, since we're still digging out of you know the the post uh, rock and wrestling era, um, and you know we're still we're, we're we're still having to do basketball and hockey arenas for WrestleMania. This one takes place at the the, the place where the Boston Celtics play and um it was the fleet center at the time so i was there in boston i marked out pretty hard when when they played the legion of dunes music because how do you not that like that music is like half their their gimmick um but then i saw the outfits and i saw sunny and i was like whatevs <laughs> you know and, and then a yeah. after that and, <laughs> and and hey they won <laughs> wow yeah. um all right next if taka michinoku versus aguila when they were trying desperately to compete with wcw's pretty awesome cruiserweight division if you got something go for it if not i'm moving on
1: um taka's uh yeah it's definitely (laughs) a match that happened um taka's one of my favorite wrestlers purely for the bumps he takes in the 2000 Draw rumble but anyway um (laughs) this is this is definitely a match that was on the Wrestlemania 14 card they tried man with that light heavyweight division (laughs) they
0: gave it their best shot they didn't seem to just a real quick thing on that the WWF's at the time WWE's light heavyweight division was a really great example of sometimes the WWE doing something because they know it's popular they know it's succeeding elsewhere but not knowing why it's succeeding and then failing hard at doing it themselves because they don't know why this works like yeah. WCW's cruiserweight thing. You can't just be like, "All right, we're going to put midgets in the ring now. It's fine." Um, let's get you know, let's get some really small guys from Mexico and Japan and throw them in
1: a, yeah. throw them in there the put ass on them. The thing is like Ta- Taka's such a legit performer even at that stage. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's such a massive name in Japanese wrestling even in the late 90s. Um mm-hmm. that I, I feel like yeah, just, it, it should have been taken maybe a little bit more seriously, but mm-hmm. These were, the, the, I mean, these guys weren't as little as they would have looked if they'd been introduced five years prior, or six years prior, you know, right. these these weren't like, you know, vanilla midgets so much anymore. But um, yeah, I just think that there was too much going on otherwise. Mm-hmm. And I think that people weren't tuning into the WWF at this point, really for Right. um a technical master class because i mean the thing is that you take this out of context that it's a very good match you know it's a very yeah. two very capable guys putting on an entertaining match uh, well, that was for the, the thing t- with, time that they had
0: that was the thing with wcw's cruiserweight division they didn't know how popular it was going to be or how popular it even was they just did it we're, yeah. we're doing this we're going to have an international flavor for this show we have th- at one point it was like we have three hours to kill we have time so let's get a couple yeah. of cruiserweights out there. Let's hear people from wrestling around the world. And if, you know, it's a dead segment, it's a dead segment, but who cares? And then the WWE, not, you know, and then it takes off because people like it. And then the WWE is like, we'll just do that. And it's like, no, no, no. <laughs> you have to put time and effort into this. Yeah. You have to, you know, bring people along. It's not going to be instantly popular. And that's the other thing is like, if things don't take off right, it's like WWE, like their management style sometimes is like a child with ADHD. They're just like, if it's not immediately. If it doesn't immediately work, they just get rid of it. Like, move on to the next thing. It's really a shame, because you're right. Michinoku was an excellent, excellent worker. Uh, So Triple H with China versus Owen Hard, and this is, like, for the European title, and this is the big culmination of everything that had happened with, you know, it was almost like stand-ins at this point. It's like, well, we don't have Sean and Brett anymore, but we do have Triple H and Owen, so same difference. Um, Yeah. (laughs) You know. This is they were trying to make Owen Hart a thing here. They had held on to him after Montreal. And it was like, we'll put you in a big match. And then we'll then you'll then you'll get pinned by Triple H. (laughs) I feel like I'm gonna say a lot over the next couple of shows, and then you got pinned (laughs) by Triple H.
2: The support
0: group of like Goldberg and uh Booker T and Owen Hart is all sitting around going (sighs) Triple
1: H. (laughs) No, no, no that no them feels, man. No them feels. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Scott Steiner's trying to figure out the math of it all. It's all, you know, it's all terrible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. He's fat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mark Marrow Maddow- Mark and Sable defeat Goldust doing sort of a BDSM gimmick and Luna Vashon. This was all about them. You know, it's kind of like the-, the joke about Jennifer Lopez. So she can't dance like what she used to. She has a bunch of guys dancing around her to make it look like she's moving. That's pretty much what everyone did for Sable here.
1: Yeah. S- Sable is um, a, a very, uh, very much a product of a Vince crush. I'm convinced because over the it's next two, openly two... Talked about that. well, well, yeah, but what what I mean is over the next two years, we're going to very openly see that she has little to no talent. Um, <laughs> the the Sable bomb is very visibly someone doing a standing somersault in front of her. Um, <laughs> I just I, I I feel like she she may, and I'm going to just this i feel like she may be one of the um the least talented female workers in in the wwe history genuinely do i think she's dreadful i mean she's hot but she's dreadful
0: I, i like when she shook her waist yeah, I'm a guy, I like women. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, wrong. Her, that.
1: Her, her, her career had highlights. Let's let's agree with yeah. that. Like, let's agree. I, with that. I, I was no, not looking none them for none of them were in a wrestling match. <laughs> I was
0: not looking for Sable to be Becky Lynch. Um, I was looking for nope. Sable to be exactly who she was. Yeah. Um, so then we have The Rock versus Ken Shamrock. They had a really great feud, these two. I mean. I don't love The Rock, especially I don't love the Rock the way the rest of the universe seems to. And I always thought his wrestling was average, that he got by on having the like a Hulk Hogan level charisma. Yeah. Um and he was certainly athletic. I mean, he could do the moves and he could get up and move around the ring. And he he, he was never boring to watch. I just he was no. he was kind of creator wrestler, you know, he, yeah. he was very yeah. generic. The stupid things he'll do later, like the people's elbow and stuff like that, gave gave a little bit more color. But in terms of like watching a guy actually wrestle in the ring, he was as generic as generic goes. But I have to say he worked really well with Ken Shamrock, like Ken Shamrock and him for whatever reason, you know, in terms of just pure of just pure workers really put put together some magic for that era. I
1: think it's a great I think it's a great program. I really do. I think Mm -hmm. they've they've, I, I don't think they have a bad match um you know I, I certainly don't think it was on a, a major pay-per-view if they do um yeah i mean i like both guys at the time i like them now um I, and yeah i just think it's a good uh, i think it's a good fun kind of it's a bit of a cluster of a match let's be honest um yeah. but we do have teases of what's to come with the rocks character like there's a promo throughout the show where he says that um, you know they're they're asking him you know about the who's the leader of the nation and, and is it him is it Farouk like who, who there's mm-hmm. tension within the group he says that leader's not it's not a word enough for him like he he would prefer ruler and it's just little things like that starting to sneak into his promo work where you just start seeing mm-hmm. that you alluded to the guy's charisma is you know Hulk, Hulk Hogan levels you know his charisma is at 100 everything else is probably at like a 70 you know like but but when that when that tears itself out you know the guy the guy is still one of the most over talents in history um when you look like
0: when you look like Daniel Bryan you know or Finn Balor you really your work has to be above average you have to be one of the best workers I think in order to get people to pay attention to you when you look like The Rock your work doesn't have to be nearly as good um when you have that level of charisma and and more to the point when you have when you have characters that shine as brightly as Steve Austin and The Rock none of the work has to be that good because people no. aren't coming for the work they're coming for the characters and that was always Vince Russo's thing it's just that you had yeah. to you had to have you had to have everything working not just ju- not just the characters because if the rest thing is shit people will eventually catch on yeah but um but a big part of the rest of, of WWF's reemergence and success in this era is the fact that you have great fully formed 3d characters that people can buy into and their work wasn't bad it was better than average in most cases yeah um all right speaking of which cactus jack and terry fungus chain charlie take on the new age outlaws in a hardcore match basically they called it a dumpster match it was essentially it was essentially a casket match for, for all intents and purposes um yeah. and this it's fun. This was I, I watching it back, I, I actually remember watching it in the Fleet Center and having a lot of like you know, just having a lot of fun with this one. You know, it's you can't go wrong with a WrestleMania McFoley match. You will usually do something stupid to entertain
1: people. <laughs> yeah. I mean the thing is that the, the, the new age outlaws, they were they were just now coming into their well, they were <clears throat> approaching their big push, really, weren't they? Yeah. Um in, in terms of what was about to happen with, with them. So they were hot at the time, Cactus Jack, uh, Terry funk like legends you know in terms of the, the the hardcore scene in terms of working around the world. so the smart fans were invested in this the casual fans were invested in the charisma of the the outlaws mm-hmm. and I think it made for um I think it made for a match that appears a lot better than it was really like I think that the, the crowd um, the crowd has a lot of, the crowd helps a lot in this match. I think it really sells everything that they did. Watching it back again,
0: yeah, uh, I, I would you, tell you like,
1: the crowd were eating it up. I think
0: mm-hmm. the thing everyone remembers about WrestleMania 14 is Austin wins the title, as if the rest of the show doesn't happen. But just kind of going through it and rewatching it, this was a solid show, and it's the, like maybe the first solid show in a long time, in a lot of years, because yeah. like I yeah. haven't gone through these with Pat, <clears throat> you know seven eight nine ten eleven twelve it's a lot of there's a lot of filler on those shows this doesn't this feels very lean like this is these were the best stars in angles we were pushing in matches that were good i mean for the most part even like we were talking about like with sable like she's in a hot angle at that point you can't get it you know it's the rest of stuff may have been on the
1: bottom tier but yeah it's, it's not a, a, necessarily a bad match either. I mm-hmm. mean, it's probably, for my money, the worst thing on the show. But it's also more gimmick than yeah. match as well. So I think it's also hard to, mm-hmm. to put it alongside, probably say, just say the main event. It's hard to put those two matches side mm-hmm. by side and compare them. You know, it's apples and oranges. Right. One thing was fine for what it was, and the other thing was great for what it was um and it was it was watchable you know gold Mm -hmm. dust attire aside um there's there's certainly nothing that happens in that Mm -hmm. (laughs) on this show that i don't feel right fits in and and adds to another show elsewhere
0: yeah wrestlemania top to bottom is 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 solid it's a it's it is a solid show and it's probably the first one that feels like a wrestlemania since wrestlemania 7 maybe
1: you, you um, used the word "lean," and I think that that's a perfect word for it because I think it's what it's mm-hmm. like eight, eight matches. I think on the card, um, and that's that's not lots, really. You know, for you know a two and a half to three hour show. Yeah, till we get to WrestleMania two
0: thousand, where there's fifty matches.
1: Yeah, <laughs> 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 yeah, better start talking about that now, are not we? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um But yeah, I, th- I think the lean is lean is perfect because it, it is the the hot angles, the hot guys with probably again the exception maybe of the light heavyweight match but Mm. they put in a good effort on the show and it certainly wasn't uh it wasn't the worst thing on it either so
0: so the main event is why i kind of summed up the show now because the main because what what is there to talk about sean's in so much goddamn pain it's hard to watch it's like i feel legit like you hear about Sean in this era and what a prick he was and how hard he was to work with and how the whole Montreal screw job doesn't, isn't, doesn't really need to happen if everyone acts like an adult starting with Sean and Sean's. Yeah. Oh, we've forgotten. Un- uh, Undertaker oh, yeah,
1: Kane forgot. was. Yeah. yeah oh, well,
0: one,
1: one, one, one thing I meant to mention, I said about the DX band. Um, mm-hmm. if, if anyone listening can get onto uh, YouTube and find the actual, uh, the, the the performance of America, the America the Beautiful, I think it is that they do uh, mm. before the before the show. Yeah, you'll thank me. The reason
0: we're not talking about the celebrities on this show. Um... Mm.
1: Yeah, but that's it. Uh, yeah, very rightly, probably the last time we see the the DX band in a live a live performance. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, uh, Kane, Undertaker, I mentioned as well about Kane and Undertaker, or sorry, Kane rather. Um, within a few months of him debuting kind of being treated a little bit unfairly really and I think that's summed up by the the, the nonsense before what should have been such a hot angle going mm-hmm. into this of Kane versus Undertaker finally going one to one at Wrestlemania and it just they suck the wind out of it with the, the Pete Rose stuff beforehand
0: yeah Though the Pete Rose stuff made me laugh, I—I I I mean, it's, it is—it is,
1: fu- is funny, yeah, it is yeah. funny. But what well, should have been probably the the biggest blood feud on the card, right?
0: Probably didn't need a comedy bit set
1: up. It didn't need a comedy gimmick setting it up. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. But
0: um, so back, yeah, Undertaker Kane was one of the highlights of the match, and again, you know, you ask Pat, the Undertaker is not not his favorite technical wrestler. Um, and yeah, and Jenny has definitely been in some dogs here, but him and him and Glenn Jacobs always work well together and they will continue to work well together for years and years to come. Um, as much of a jerk as Shawn Michaels is, it is hard to watch this match. And even though, you know, it's sort of a footnote now in the history of wrestling, all anyone cares about here is this is the beginning of the Austin era. Austin's about to put the company on his back and, you know, take off into the stratosphere. We all know that, but you can't. There's talk that Sean, you know, that Sean going into it was just in a really bad, like negative psychological space, and he didn't really want to put Austin over. And he's just being a giant baby about it. And the Undertaker's like threatening to kill him backstage if he didn't cooperate in you know, things like that. And and he goes out. Where was, and... where was
1: he in November? <laughs> where, where was that attitude in November?
0: He was anyway. in catering going, what the hell's going on out there? Um <laughs> but uh, credit where credit's due. And I'm not the world's biggest Shawn Michaels fan, but I'm also a pretty fair guy he tried in that match as bad as his as bad off as his back was he did everything he could and it is hard to watch it's not austin's best effort either everyone like puts it on sean like well sean was crippled yeah but it's not like steve austin looked great in that match either it was kind of it was yeah. a lot of sizzle not a lot of steak and at the end all anyone cared about was they put the belt on the right guy for yeah. like, the first time in years
1: i think it shows how how um, I mean, obviously, these guys are two of the the, the best mm-hmm. workers of all time. Realistically, they're, they're they've got to be in the conversation on this amount uh, Mount Rushmore. But I think that you know, you mentioned like the sizzle and stuff. It, it, it's a big example of how when smoke and mirrors is done well, mm-hmm. you can distract from the shortcomings of, of a performer. You know, because Austin, you know, he's back a few months from his his and uh, in, his injury. Mm-hmm. Sean is obviously in pain, like he's visibly hurting through the match, but there's enough going on otherwise. They, they, they kind of color right. it in around the performers enough for you to be taken away from looking at it, you know? Yep. Uh, and I think that's, it's it's a prime example of how to do that well, and I think it's a, a, a prime example of how to do a, a big WrestleMania ending well. Yeah because it was like legitimately newsworthy, you know, it would end up on like uh, ESPN and and things the following days that Mike Tyson was involved physically. And it gets people Mm -hmm. who maybe haven't watched wrestling for a long time. You know, Mike Tyson at this point was, you know, he was the baddest man on the planet, you know, and and him being involved and uh, hitting Michaels gave him legitimate opportunity to go away, rehab his back, become commissioner, whatever he decided to do afterwards and cement Stone Cold as the champion and the guy from here on out.
0: So that's WrestleMania 14. And before we continue, I just want to remind everybody that one of our great sponsors here is Grammarly. Grammarly is AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps you write mistake-free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, punctuation, spelling mistakes, while also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. To download Grammarly today, go to getgrammarly.com slash W2M network. Again, it's getgrammarly.com slash W2M network to download Grammarly for free. The Austin era has begun stone cold stone cold and so <laughs> over the next month uh we get we get really the, the the feud that takes us through the next year um and it's the best way they could have done it because you needed yep. you needed kind of an untouchable um uh, dark lord you know you needed an emperor and then the emperor needed hands to to take on your hero and that's the story of the next year um yep. told in chapters chapter 1 is dude love chapter two i think is like the undertaker chapter three um where you know is the rock and then chapter four our raging climax it's the rock versus austin reclaiming his title that's that's the story of the next year so we start off with unforgiven where the two big matches here were uh dude love and steve austin which ends in dq and then the undertaker and kane in an inferno match i just (laughs) stupid inferno match yeah. i was there for that live hoy ooh, uh, no i'm sorry i was there in albany the night after wrestlemania but the inferno match was freaking hilarious
1: to me what did you think of that yeah it's definitely definitely something that happened inferno matches are ridiculous <laughs> i mean i think that the, the whole point with a lot of wrestling is that we know it's we know it's not real we know it's not right actually happening we know that these guys aren't really going to go on fire even if they do however there's a line of of comfort that i have with wrestling and mm. i don't want to see someone legitimately put on fire i don't yeah. i don't you know it's the same reason i don't watch more extreme promotions i don't want to mm-hmm. see someone actively stabbed during a wrestling match i think it's pretty stupid so watching this in a, a, a wwf pay-per-view you know you've got mm-hmm you know two of the big names at this stage uh, going to set each other on fire no they they're not they're not and <laughs> they if do. they are it's going to be very very gimmicked and it's going and to be it was. very obvious and you it can... was um that, that this what was it? Uh, like he
0: had his hand he had his arm like caked in that like blue flame stuff or whatever
1: yeah and it's uh... <laughs> i i i mean for for those not watching and just listening to this uh, I'm just shaking my head and shrugging my shoulders
0: yeah it. I I, I remember watching it I was like how are they going to get away with this what are they going to do it's a look it was one of those things where the WWE experimented in things that would like look cool but would ultimately end up being dumb and it did it looked <laughs> awesome like the, the great the grill grate around the ring yeah the fire going that they kept they were smart and they kept it low because you know they don't want to set the whole ring on fire but yeah. every time somebody bumped in it, the, the flames would shoot up, and it legitimately freak, frightened the audience. I remember because they thought, yeah. like they, they really thought they were going to set the place on fire. Um, but it looked cool as shit, and they and they managed to keep it under control. And then yeah. you know there was they, there's no way to do this where it looks good, and so it looks dumb. It looks it looks really phony. But whatever, Kane gets burned yet again, and you know, and the story of Kane the Undertaker moves on. So we go to Over the Edge the following month. And this is The Nation versus DX in the six-man tag. And your main event is Steve Austin versus Dude Love. This is hilarious. This match. This is the False Count Anywhere one with Mr. McMahon's the ref. Pat Patterson's the ring announcer. Gerald Briscoe is the timekeeper. And The Undertaker is the special guest enforcer.
1: Oh, boy. (laughs) This is... um... This is Russo, Russo, Rific. This, this is. I mean, um, I'll be honest. I can't even remember if he's he's the primary booker at this stage, but it's just it is. It's hilarious and in a, in quite a good way as well. I mean, it really does, uh really does become a bit much, really. Mm-hmm. But it, it it also did what I had to. It was, I think, it was the right level of frustrating. You know, you wanted to see everyone involved get their ass kicked at the end of it.
0: Yep, for for, was... for
1: right or wrong, and I suppose for that it did what it was worth. It did what yeah. it was trying to. I mean, it... one thing that's sort of happening at this stage, sort to interject, was yeah, obviously but... you mentioned. DX in the prior match is mm-hmm. that at this stage they're they're properly putting weight on Triple H's shoulders at this mm-hmm. stage with the sort of new reformed DX in 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 this sort of period as well, aren't they? Yeah. So. Uh, Yeah, so I mean that that's kind of bubbling away in the background. Is that we're seeing our first real glimpses that there's there's trust back on Triple H. There's the reliance on him to to carry something on with Shawn Michaels being gone. This is the
0: early seedlings of both The Rock and the Triple H being in the main event scene. You know, I said before, you know, the day after WrestleMania, they looked around and they said they have no heels. They have nobody to work with Austin, and so they make do with you know with 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 Cactus and uh, The Undertaker and Vince McMahon and all of Vince McMahon's minions. Like, they make hay out of what little they yeah. had, but this is a kind of a rebuilding year. You know, 98 yeah. to 99 is we need to restack the main event roster. It's one of the few times in the WWE history where, because normally it's like the bottom half is all nuts and stupid, but mm-hmm. the top but the top part of it is where all the money is, and it's you've got loads of people who can work at the top yeah this is the exact opposite we have nobody who can work at the top and (laughs) and you have all these guys in the middle like we got to elevate some people um and and they start with um they start with the rock and triple h here this is the beginning of it so all you people who hate the who hate triple h this is the year that you got to focus on because this is where it starts uh king of the ring 1998 um all anyone ever remembers about this is that hell in the cell match uh, which the, yeah. the very first th- thing I showed my very first time I showed my son wrestling, I showed him I showed him the Hell in the Cell because he's a baby <laughs> and he has their attention span. And if you want to show a child wrestling, wrestling, um and you yeah. want to maintain their attention, show a guy falling off a cage three times. They'll love it. He did, um and that's what he thinks wrestling <laughs> is now at eight years old. <laughs> <Yeah>. um <laughs> that is all that matches. It's the mix, you know. Look, I don't love Ric Flair and Ric Flair's comments about Mick Foley probably are out of bounds. But the one but yeah. I do sympathize with Ric Flair's point of view. This is this Mick Foley stunt show. Um and yeah and also oh, very much. Also, short of actually killing the guy, everything that could go wrong with that match does. Like if you hear them talk about it, like there are spots that are utterly unplanned because the cage fell apart.
1: Yeah, you can see it. I mean, I, I remember watching that match for the first time and I think that, you know, we mentioned the Sean um, casket incident and stuff. I think this is actually far more uncomfortable viewing because mm-hmm. those are two legitimately big, big guys up there. You know, mm-hmm. that's 600 pounds worth of human, 25 feet in the air, possibly mm-hmm. higher. Um, and you just see the cage and it's you literally see cable ties popping and buckling and... Right. Because it wasn't the, the meant to be away Yeah, right. and it just... I mean, obviously now it's, you know, late, later Hell in a Cell matches, it's all visibly reinforced and it maybe takes it away a little bit. But from a, a humanist standpoint, like, mm-hmm. thank God mm-hmm. no one's going to fall through that because if if that second bump had happened not from a chokeslam where he was already going onto his back, mm-hmm. that's a different that's a different outcome right there. Like, if they, either of the yeah, if either of them either of them fall through that cage without it being in the middle of a bump, mm-hmm. that's that they're they're paralysed. You know, they're breaking yeah. their legs or they're never walking again. Yep. You know, breaking the legs being best case scenario was a scary situation. So yeah, I I, I find that extremely uncomfortable. Cool as shit. The bump, Yeah. Let's be honest. Like in terms of highlight reel, phenomenal. As right. An actual person. No.
0: <laughs> you know. We're going to talk about it shortly, but the 1999 Royal Rumble is the one where um, Mick Foley gets hit in the head with a chair 86 times in a row in front of his wife and kids. And, um, you know, they they notoriously on Beyond the Mat, they told the story about how, you know, he went back to Vince McMahon and he was like, thank you, but never do that again. That's what you should have told him at the King of the Ring. Please, Please stop trying to murder yourself in my ring, dumbass. Like, I I, I get you're fat at the at the end of your career, but this is not the way to get over. Please stop yep. trying to kill yourself. And I think even the, the Undertaker said something very similar to him, where it was yeah. like, listen, you know how Sean daintily ha- held himself at the edge of the cage, looked where he was going to go, and then yeeted himself in that direction? What if you just threw me, <laughs> double yeah. take care, yeah. off the cage? Uh, the
1: Undertaker's th- like, I, th- I, Why? <laughs> is the, the the first recorded use of the word yeet. <laughs> <laughs> or or, or a, a precursor to that bit in uh you know in Lord of the Rings you're like you're you're going to have to ch- like... you're going to have to chuck me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um and the I remember like legitimately the Undertaker saying to him, like, why do you want to kill yourself in the middle of the ring? You know, it's like it's just not worth it. And it really wasn't. Like, look, yeah. as a fan, you watch that, and like I talked about this with the Montreal Screwjob. You're just watching this like mouth agape, like, oh my god. You know, now it's so commonplace to see these guys jump, you know, off a high precipice into a tall glass of drinking water observe. But yeah. now, but back then you were you were watching history happen. You never yeah. seen a guy like even the old scaffold matches were all kind of carefully planned. Like you knew someone was going to fall off at the point of a scaffold match. You had no yeah. idea McFoley was going to do what he did in that match, and that is all. And like, like the the fact that like, and then Steve Austin and Kane have to follow it. They should have just walked out and shot each other. It was the yeah. only thing
1: that would <laughs> yeah. have been able yeah. to the top it, that You just had. If if memory serves me right as well, it was it was at the first Blood match, and I think that mm. Kane gets a. Small neck on his arm about thirty <laughs> seconds into the match, and they have to cover for it the rest of the time. Right. Like, no, it's no, it's, it's significant blood loss. I think they they, they call right. it. Like they're they're, like, it The match can only be stopped by significant blood loss, not a mm. not a trapped fingernail. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like as, as, as Kane's cut on his arm becomes progressively more Sabu esque throughout yeah. the match, and they're like, no, 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 that's not what we mean by first blood. Well, yeah. first blood
0: on your head. That's what we mean. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. first first blood from your skull oh by yeah. the way this guy who wears a mask and he's got lots of <laughs> hair will don't worry about that don't worry yeah. about that details this bald guy though he's gonna bleed like a stuck pig you'll see you'll see the, the <laughs>
0: irony of the first year of steve austin's reign is his matches are not great and this is one of them like yeah he has yeah. he is definitely held up by a card of strong workers because his actual matches were not not phenomenal This is not this is not a a, an example of a good Steve Austin match. Let's set about it. Props, props to Mick
1: coming back out though. Fair play. Yeah,
0: no, dude. Mick Mick Foley is a man's man. Like I, I, there's there's elements of him I don't like. Some of his politics and the way that he interacts with people online, I'm not in love with. I think he's kind of condescending. But man's man. I mean, like throw me off a 50-foot high steel cage and see if I come back out.
1: Yeah, he, he was gonna. I think he was gonna like weekend at Bernie's his way back out to that ring if he had to, <laughs> just like the Get this, the, the Stooges holding him up, just walking him to. The...
0: <laughs> yep, all right. So, now, so we go into our July pay per view. We are at fully loaded. Um, and your main event, and this is we're just building towards the rock, Steve Austin. No, I'm sorry, Steve Austin versus The Undertaker, but it's yep. uh, it's so it's a tag team match. Um, Have Steve Austin and the Undertaker defeating Kane and Mankind. Um uh and then the the co-main was the Rock versus Triple H and ending in a time limit draw. Two out of three falls for the Intercontinental title. Um the other big one on here, just because it leads into SummerSlam, is Owen Hart defeating Ken Shamrock in a dungeon match with Dan Severn as special guest for free. Yeah, this this was when it was again was a great idea on paper, and then you look at it like is there a reason why we're we're having we're having Owen Hart wrestle in his dad's basement, which is the ceiling is about at at, at like height level?
1: I liked it. Did you really? <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I liked. It. I just I, I don't know. I, I mean, um, considering that fully loaded of any year it was running, what did, mm-hmm. did you get? Did we get three fully loaded? if Memory serves me right. Um, this is probably the only match I could name from any of them except for (laughs) possibly possibly the good housekeeping match Mm -hmm. and i think i'd maybe even need to fact check if that was fully loaded or not i think it was fully loaded 2000 maybe anyway Mm -hmm. um you know that i think speaks kind of volumes for for the summer of this year really (laughs)
0: Um, so that's that's fully loaded. Then we get to SummerSlam, which I was at. That was at Madison Square Garden. That was the highway. So this was the first time like they, they were playing somebody else's song, I think. Um, they had licensed Highway to Hell. I never want to hear that song as long as I live. And I love ACDC, but oy, did hearing that live as many times as we did. I was like, by the end of it, I was like, if I ever hear ACDC again, it'll be too soon. <laughs> um, the under- Steve Austin has gone on record saying this was not a great match with the Undertaker. Like for whatever reason, they just did not click that night. And then the under- and then Austin almost knocked himself out. Like I think he actually looked yeah. legit knocked himself out cold. This is a great SummerSlam though. This is a lot of fun matches on it. Um, you have Steve Austin versus the Undertaker, you have Triple H and the Rock in the ladder match. I made a joke with my son during the um Cody Rhodes Sammy Guevara match. I'm like now the p- important thing you have to remember about ladder matches is someone will, will suddenly get arthritis in the match. <laughs> and they won't be able to grab the title until until yep. you know it's time. And I had to explain to my son what arthritis was. But this is the very first example <laughs> of them not getting their timing down. So you yep. have guys reaching for the title, going, "Ah, I can't reach it." It's like it's right there.
1: Just yeah, you got it. That's <laughs> yeah, I, it, it is a a, a proper uh, proper issue with ladder matches. I think that the longer that they go, certainly, I think it, it, it's it's a struggle i think that now mm-hmm. now where we're at like you know 2022 i think ladder matches mm-hmm. are one that really need to be booked carefully to avoid that yeah. kind of thing happening um and this this is one of the big prime examples of that early what yep. do we do when we're here and you know any any normal person at this stage would grab grab the title and get the hell out of dodge mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, um, it's they don't they need to rearrange, retie their shoes, but at the top of the ladder and stuff, just no,
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this was, um, so another good one was Ken Shamrock versus Owen Hart in the Lion's Den match, which is at the like the, what they now call like the Hulu Theater, uh, at Madison Square Garden. That was fun, I actually enjoyed that. Um, yeah, and like I said, a lot of fun here. We have Gangrel. we have the oddities, which were fun, we have X Pac and Jeff Jarrett um edges on this show with mark marrow so good good show overall but uh this was like i said chapter two of the austin mcmahon feud and now we go into the second half of the year here where we're 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 building up a certain somebody to carry us into the year that follows and so we have breakdown which was the triple threat match where the undertaker and kane both pinned steve austin and relevant to topics, we also have The Rock defeating Ken Shamrock and Mankind for the um in a triple threat steel cage match to determine the number one contender for the WWF championship. Keep yeah. that in mind, everybody. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah.
1: uh, That's going to be important later.
0: So, yeah, Kane and the Undertaker pinned Steve Austin. So we're going to do a rematch at Judgment Day, but this time because McMahon's screwing with Austin, he only he has to be the special referee, and it's a match contested between Kane and the Undertaker, which ends in a double pinfall, which means there's no champion. Um, and since Austin didn't crown a new champion, he was fired, like you do. Yeah. Uh, so what's the Rock <laughs> doing on this show? Where's oh, the Rock? The Rock here. Where are you, Rock? Um, Ken Shamrock defeated Mankind for the Intercontinental the intercontinental title oh and mark henry defeated the rock in a singles match okay that's yeah. what the rock is doing good strong push going into what we're going to do next so
1: <laughs> I said, the, the, it's, it's very forgettable but also very very random knowing what's knowing what's coming
0: yeah uh so now we get to the deadly games which by the way i, I always laugh at this at the theme of this one because the, the WWF not really known for a lot of its pop and soul uh, up at this point it's a lot of rock music Maybe a little bit of rap, if that, but it's always been a, like a lot of like heavy rock music, especially in this era. And the Deadly Games theme, cause it's a deadly game. Like, what the hell is this?
1: <laughs> it's it's a really really good, good show. I think a really good show. I really like it.
0: Not so much the, yeah, theme, but, the show itself. Not so much the theme. The The
1: theme is straight straight out of a, a cancelled sitcom. Really into it, like. <laughs> It's uh, like a spin-off sitcom, you know? like Yeah, it should have been like a theme
0: song to something on the on the UPN network, right? Between Homeboys from Outer Space and Sister Sister. I... <laughs> <What
1: the hell? laughs> yeah, a, a, a character spin-off of like Days of Our Lives. Right. Yeah. So
0: yes, Deadly Game. This is the tournament to crown a new WWF champion. At this point, Mick Foley is firmly in the corporation. He is corporate mankind. They have you know, put him in a suit and cleaned him up. And, you know, this is Rick McFoley wrestling in silly outfits. Um, But uh, the the Steve Austin's in the tournament, which uh, I think he, uh, I gotta find him here. Uh, Yeah. Steve Austin defeats the big boss man by DQ in the first round. Um, Mankind defeats Steve Austin in the tournament semifinals. And so, the final is, the, is your baby face that, is, that has been rising through the ranks and spending most of the year feuding with Triple H. Your babyface Rock. Everyone's favorite wrestler at this point. The, probably the second to Austin in popularity. And he's fighting McFoley, your corporate champion, your bad guy, your evil villain for 90% of this year. And they screw McFoley. Yeah. and 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 because the WWE is is collectively their mentality is so childlike they not only screw Mick Foley but they have to do a replay of the Montreal screw job because we just can't let it go. Yeah. And so Vince McMahon has his chosen person in The Rock. The Rock ends up defeating Mankind and he's your new champion and boom we are off to the build towards WrestleMania with corporate champion The Rock versus the people's champion you know the uh, the the person, uh, the working man's champion, Steve Austin. That's where we're headed. Uh, so that's the Survivor Series. It's a long show with the tournament and everything, but still pretty pretty solid. A lot of good matches. The return of the Big Boss Man as the enforcer of the corporation. That was a lot of fun. Let's um, skip Capital Carnage because who cares? So the next pay per view. So like we had its time when Vader was supposed to be in the main event. It didn't happen. It ended up being Sid. And then we had like Degeneration X. And now we have Rock Bottom because our December pay per view must always be named after a wrestler. Um, and this is Steve Austin. It's, just, it's, a com-
1: the- it's a coming out party for The Rock, really, more than anything. Yeah. I mean, I know that it's yep. named after him, but that's it really all it is. It's a coronation, I think. But it's, it, yeah. I think it works well in the coming months as a big picture event sure. because it really does put that sort of corporate stamp on The Rock and just kind of pushes. Pushes that kind of arrogance of all in that kind of chosen one mentality mm-hmm. which plays re- right into the build to wrestlemania
0: absolutely uh so we have steve austin defeating the undertaker in a buried alive match for the right to compete in the 1999 royal rumble and we have mankind defeating the rock by technical submission uh for the wwf championship but mankind didn't get wasn't awarded it because mcmahon's screwing with him uh but the stated reason is mankind can only win by submission which brings us to the infamous Royal Rumble 1999. I know a lot of people hate this Royal Rumble. I was there live. Um, it, 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 as uncomfortable as the Mick Foley Rock match is, watch on TV, it is. It was un, more uncomfortable, I think, to be there live. Uh, there was actually a lot of confusion where you when you heard Mick Foley over the PA as he's being tumbled to death. Uh, by The Rock. I mean, look, The Rock McFoley had an outstanding feud. Um, people would love it for years to come. This was not a high point for anyone's career or the WWF history. Um, with with you know handcuffing McFoley and The Rock beating him senseless. I mean, it, yeah, it made The Rock look vicious. The Rock could have looked could have looked just as vicious with less concussive blows to McFoley's freaking head. Uh, but the other thing that everyone remembers this for. Is that Austin McMahon start off the Royal Rumble, proceed to fight, and then you don't see him again for most of the Royal Rumble. It's just like fighting backstage. They're leaving, they're just not there. I mean, ultimately, um, I believe Mick, this is the one McMahon won. Uh, if I remember correctly, yeah, Mick, McMahon wins the Royal Rumble by last eliminating Steve Austin. And it was fun to see, you know, look, because Vince McMahon had for the longest time been just the owner of the company and everything and before that he was you know even though he was the owner he was seen as an on-screen commentator and whatnot um so to hear to to, to take the next step in the evolution of the McMahon character to see him physically get in the ring with Austin and then win the Royal Rumble um as a one-time thing you know like unlike Bischoff unlike Vince Russo unlike a lot of people Vince McMahon knew he was not a wrestler and so you can do it once and get away with it but it has to move the story forward and so Vince McMahon winning the the Royal the 1999 Royal Rumble screwing Steve Austin and you know putting more hurdles in the way to get to the Rock at WrestleMania was effective storytelling. I know it's not everyone's favorite match people hate this Royal Rumble for that reason um not to match the fact that it's not the world's greatest Royal Rumble either but in terms of a storytelling device this was a great part of this ongoing saga so i talked about the rock mcfoley and the you know the unfortunate concussion issues with that match and i talked about the steve austin and mcfo steve austin and vince in the royal rumble so Stu, before we move on to the next part of this what did you think of those two matches
1: so i mean watching you know beyond the mat later on and uh, that kind mm-hmm. of thing it's very uncomfortable it's very uncomfortable viewing that that whole thing with the rock and and it's
2: mm-hmm.
1: i think now it's probably a bit of a blemish on the rock's career yeah in terms of wrestling you know i think the the the, the i mean he's obviously right now the world's highest grossing or highest paid actor or similar but you know, it's just you know—if he ever decides to run for president, which he suggested during <laughs> a, the the WrestleMania vignette where he called himself a ruler. Uh, which, if he does, by the way, that's some foreshadowing. That's long-term storytelling. But yeah, uh, yeah like it, it's uncomfortable, and I think that taken out of context, it's—it's it's not a nice viewing. You know, that time that uh, no. the Rock beat the shit of uh, of Mick Foley for real, real. And you know, even watching Beyond the Mat, I don't think he comes across well on that either. I think no, the, he comes what across what as a outside, yeah, what you see outside of him outside the match happening mm-hmm. and outside the footage from inside the ring. I think there's there, there's no sympathy from him, which we know is because mm-hmm. him and Mick Foley are great friends and became great friends, you know, later down mm-hmm. the line. Uh, but yeah. Not not great. Turn but that around though. Sort of... the, the, the
0: Rock doesn't. The Rock doesn't do that for Mick Foley. Let, let, let Dwayne Johnson no, no. not volunteering to get you know a concussion, while as Mick Foley beats him upside the head. So this is what I I, I hate about the whole Mick Foley Rock thing is that friendship only works because one's pretty and one's ugly, and the ugly one is willing to do anything for the pretty one, you know, yeah. to maintain that friendship, and the pretty one takes takes the ugly one for granted. It's tales all yeah. this time.
1: Like, mean turn that around it's, in the it's rock, ugly like one. It,
0: yeah, <laughs> turn, turn that around. Yeah. The rock's not doing any of that shit for McFoley.
1: No, no, a very good. Point. Um, I, I, sorry, I had to I'll apologize for having to jump off. It's the joy of doing these live with uh young kids mm-hmm. in the house, so I apologize yeah. for that. But I came in at the tail end of you talking about Vince winning the Rumble, and I mean, you look down a list of names, then that really does stick out like a sore thumb, but. <laughs> At the at the at the time, you know, in a, in a sort of bigger picture, I, I think it's it's absolutely fine. I think that realistically, you look at anyone other than Austin winning it, it had to be Vince. There wasn't anyone else realistically. So to put that swerve on it, where Austin didn't win the Rumble and then had something to earn at that, I think certainly for the first time in a long time, there's an important event between the Rumble and between mm-hmm. Mania. I yep, think we can exactly. say that about the Valentine's Day Massacre. There's not really any other event, probably even for a long time afterwards, arguably no way out the following year, um, that that's not a throwaway, let's get this out of the way because no one cares until it's WrestleMania. Um, yep. And sure. Vince winning the Royal Rumble was an absolutely integral to this overall story.
0: So the other thing that's happening, and, and you know, we're, we're almost at two hours here, and I don't want this to go too long, but we could have this could have been like a three hour podcast just if you just start to talk about what's happening in WCW during all of this, you know, yeah. as, as the two companies are about to change places in terms of popularity and financial success. Um, 98 to 99 is you know, and 99 to 2000 is big for the WWE, it's what launches them into a you know, multinational, international a billion dollar company. You don't have it without these two years. Um, Meanwhile, in WCW, things are falling apart, you know, but um, the reason I brought that up is up to this point, 96 and 97, it's a lot of guys going over to WCW for the fat paycheck in the less days. You don't get to see too many guys coming over. I mean, you had people who left the company quite naturally, Steve Austin, McFoley, Mark Marrow, but you don't get, like, the, as far as, like, the Monday Night War Lex Luger level jumps, you know, or probably, Scott probably Hall or Kevin Nash jumps.
1: Only X-Pac all, related stage, yeah. I would say.
0: Um, I was going to say, um, it's all one-way traffic for a while. But then, yeah, X-Pac jumps over the night after WrestleMania 14. The next big one, the next big jump that happens is the giant, Paul White, now known as The Big Show. And he comes over, his contract ends naturally, and he's like, All right, well, I've I've done all I can for this company. Let me go over the you know, Hulk Hogan famously encouraged him, go Vince will make you a star and you'll be a billionaire. So he goes. And he shows up here at the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. And what would be prophetic for Paul White's WWF career makes an utter ass out of himself. <laughs> Just, I don't know how
1: he, how much he turned he turned allegiance three times on the same night. He had th- three babyface turns just during this first event. Like, walking to the ring, he started <laughs> sobbing and turned turned heel. And then by the time he got in the ring, he was face again. Then he forgot, cried, turned babyface. I've already All forgotten right. where I'm going. But I've forgotten which alignment I was, even in my own analogy. Jeez, yeah. don't know how the guy does it. Fair All
0: play I play. remember about Paul White is him coming up through the mat like The Undertaker, throwing Steve Austin at the cage, and the cage going, Whee! At Steve Austin is carried to victory. <laughs> the look on Steve Austin's face of like, what stupid company do I work for? Whee! <laughs> and now he goes. And Vince McMahon's face just sells the whole thing because I, I, it was probably purposeful. It kind of has to be, I would assume. But let's yeah. pretend for a moment that they didn't know the cage was going to break like that because apparently these things are made of straw. And, he, and, and so Paul White doesn't know he's he doesn't know the cage is about to break when he throws Steve Austin. Steve Austin doesn't know he's hanging on for dear life. And then there's Vince why me? <laughs> Why does this keep happening? <laughs> I, again, I don't know if any of that was real or or or, uh, or planned or whatever, but the, all their faces are just utterly priceless, and that is the only thing memorable <laughs> about the St. Valentine's Day Massacre for me.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I like it as a show name. I know that it's probably mm. got a slightly more... Negative connotations in, in world history, really, but uh, sure. yeah, it's it's one of these sort of one-off named named events. I think yeah, quite uh, quite like to see that return in some capacity. It never will because it's not marketable. But
0: well, you know, it's funny. Like I I think they 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 did a Valentine's Day pay per view. Um, They did the NXT TakeOver on Valentine's Day, and it was like the obvious choice was to call it NXT TakeOver St. Valentine's Day Massacre, and they went with like Vengeance Day. Yeah, Never miss an opportunity to make your company look like shit, people. Anyway, (laughs) WrestleMania 15, we are finally here. Again, I I told you I was going to shoot right through 98 to 99 because... Is you know it, it it all leads to this. The I was here at this when I was in Philadelphia for this. This is the raging climax. This was this this really did feel like you know they used to talk about like the WrestleMania feeling like the series the season finale, and this really did. Yep. This was the culmination of year of a year long story between Austin and McMahon, and then The Rock and McFoley, and like this this WrestleMania for the first time in a very long time felt like it was the it was tying up a year's worth of cohesion you didn't have people leaving you know you didn't have people as in Wrestlemania's past where everyone on the card had just gotten there five minutes beforehand you know you had a everyone on this card almost had a year-long exception of Paul White had a year-long buildup to get there a year long's worth yeah. of stories this Wrestlemania 15 while while wrestling wise may not be everyone's favorite storyline wise i think wrestlemania 15 is one of the best they've ever done um it lacks the grandeur of some of the other ones like 17 because it's not a stadium again it's you know it's in a basketball stadium basketball arena rather but i i can't say enough good things about 15. it is i think the high water mark of the high water mark before things are really going to blow up after this it's you know it's sort of the culmination of a lot of effort to reclaim the top spot against WCW. That's probably where it stands in history. So yeah. um any general thoughts about that before I kind of go through the card?
1: I, I I love this show. I absolutely love it. I said at the start and I mean there's not even um there's not even a joke in my voice when I say it I think that WrestleMania 15 is I said to you before we went on air that it's a there's a bit of garbage about it, but in the best possible way. <laughs> like Mm -hmm. all wrestling to some degree is crap really let's be honest you know all wrestling is nonsense and it's just that sort of nonsense is sometimes exactly what you want it's sometimes exactly what you need i feel like this this pay-per-view is i don't know like a fast and the furious (laughs) of wrestling pay-per-views you know is Mm -hmm. it is a masterpiece is it a um you know, has it got The Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels in a, a, a breathtaking, you know, match for the AJs, one of the greatest matches of all time? No, do you know, what? it doesn't have anything that stands out in that capacity. Right. Uh, maybe Rock Austin is the takeaway match from the event if you have to watch just one.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: as you said, there was meaningful storylines leading into every match. No one was on the card to put them on the card. Right. And everything, everything changed on it you know we had you know like the, the dx combustion um mm. after it you know after them mending mending fences and then blowing mm. them apart again and i just think that for a spectacle this is what i want from my wrestling when i'm watching yeah and, and that that's the the best compliment that i can pay the show is that it's just the just the perfect level of nonsense
0: <laughs> <laughs> so when Rat when Pat and I uh conceived of doing this podcast series we decided we were going to end it with 20 because after 20 to your point they all just kind of feel like another pay-per-view especially now WrestleMania doesn't feel special to me anymore maybe that's just the old man of me coming out um but I will tell you that like after 20 you know the John Cena era no no offense to the guy they certainly made a lot of money and he had some perfectly good matches and i always look forward to wrestlemania but this is going to be one of the last few times you know with wrestlemania 17 probably being the high water mark of it feeling like it's wrestlemania this is special this is not another day yeah. at the office um whereas from 20 and on, from 21 and on you know they could have named the show anything and it would have been like eh, it's just another show another, you know
2: yeah
0: we're gonna refresh some things we're gonna change some things but ultimately it's just another cog in the wheel this this giant machine that just keeps on turning. But yeah, WrestleMania fifteen is very special, I think, very standout in that in that
1: respect. I I think my my big uh my my biggest sort of hot take, I, I I'm gonna call it a mild take on WrestleMania mm-hmm. fifteen, is that for for me personally, I think the big difference between this and seventeen mm-hmm. is the stadium atmosphere. For and sure. For, and 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 that's really the only thing that splits hairs with it for me is that if if you put this show in mm-hmm. a stadium if you put it in front of 60 70 000 people i think this is you know a, 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 on wikipedia they they actually reference 411 mania on it and i think that it scores a five out of ten and i mm-hmm. know that this is a much maligned event but i think that this puts it up two two notches out of t- out of ten on on anyone's score yeah. chart, you know, if this is but in front of that many people because WrestleMania- wrestling was so hot at the right. time. So
0: hot. WrestleMania 15 is important for it being the first WrestleMania where they took the lead back from WCW. WrestleMania 17 is known in history as the WrestleMania that ended the Monday Night War. By by yeah. then it's over. But you know WrestleMania it's like they bought WCW the week before WrestleMania famously. Yeah. So and I and I think those two shows you, you you have to know for that reason. It's why I, I link these three shows together but um because in WrestleMania 17 really has a standalone because if you don't talk about the Monday Night Wars in the end of it with WrestleMania 17 you're missing a whole element of that show
2: yeah
0: um all right so just kind of whipping through this real quick hardcore just give me the belt and I'll beat everybody Holly defeats Al Snow and Billy Gunn so watching watch wrestling with a child it really does change your perspective these three guys walk out and I have to explain the guy with the mannequin head to my eight-year-old, almost eight-year-old. And I'm like, so he's crazy and talk and hears voices. And the voice he hears, he thinks is coming from the mannequin head. Oh, what's the mannequin head's name? Head. And my son goes, it's a little on the nose, don't you think?
1: <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so you're you're that. right, though. You're right, though. I mean, I watched that. Uh, we've mentioned this Sammy Cody match a couple of times mm-hmm. already, but I watched that with my three-year-old this morning. And uh, mm-hmm. there's a suplex spot quite early on in the match where Cody. So basically a standing suplex, super impressive,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, really early on in the match. I watched that moment five times uh, before I inevitably said, listen, we're going to just keep watching, because I kept getting <laughs> told, again, and again, I want to see it again. Right. I'm thinking, okay, but it was just... You, you're right, it, it's suddenly a different thing into watching yeah. it with a kid of any age, really. It's its real to them, damn it.
0: Mm-hmm. So then Billy <laughs> Gunn walks out, and I'm like, so, little boy, here comes a man who calls himself Mr. Ass, or the Ass Man. He likes to kick him, he likes to kiss him, he likes to stuff him.
1: <laughs> <laughs> He's stuff him, My like son, just st- stick him and pick him. <laughs>
0: crying, just crying, laughing. You know, just the... Uh, you really get a sense of how juvenile wrestling is when it when something like that entertains a young boy that much.
1: Yeah. Like a lot I mean, of if, like if, like I was gonna say if he's laughing that much at his name, wait till he sees his King of the Ring push.
0: <laughs> yeah, wait till he sees King of the Ring type. Um <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh yeah, so hardcore Holly beats Al Snow and um and Billy Gunn and it's you know they Again, they had upped up the violence here. They were doing a lot of garbage matches during this era. It's fine for what it is. Owen and Jeff take on D Brown and Test. And my only standing memory of this match is my son asking me why is this name Test? That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And I'm like, Well, <laughs> you and Mick Foley think the same. Um yeah. so whatever. Anything on I this always
1: like test. I like Yeah. It. I I like test. I like D Brown. I mm-hmm. don't know why they were I don't know why they were together. Yeah. Um, test
0: always had a good look T- test had a great look i think in another era with different wrestlers he's probably your champion i just don't think i don't yeah. think he i don't think he got the mechanics of wrestling very well and no, that might have been no, the problem
1: I, I, no i i completely agree i mean you put test in you know four or five years earlier mm-hmm. and you've got you've got your blonde diesel really yeah you, for I think. sure um but yeah i mean i, I like test I, I actually think i like test entrance music but um yeah, I, I like D'Lo as well. I think D'Lo is very mm-hmm. underrated at this point in time. Sure. I think he's one of the more solid hands on the card. And again, it it's falls into the, the Taka uh, light heavyweight match from 14, and this isn't bad. Mm-hmm. It's just not really got any air relevance compared to the rest of the show itself,
0: so poor... even compared
1: to the hardcore and stuff.
0: So poor Bart Gun. This was already documented. Um, we talked about it on the... <laughs> Dark Side of the Ring, uh, when Pat and I covered that. Poor Bart Gun had the utter misfortune of knocking out Jim Ross's best friend in <laughs> Dr. Death Steve Williams. <laughs> Poor Bart Gun had the unfortunate consequence of succeeding in a company that did not want him to
2: succeed.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I think that it speaks volumes for the Brawl for All that you've got a... You have legitimate bare-knuckle guys, bare, like legitimate UFC guys on mm-hmm. your on your paid roster and they stay the hell away from this gimmick you know <laughs> I, I think that that yeah. says all that you really need to know about the brawl for all as a as, yeah. a, as a concept because these mm-hmm. guys know that it it's a fight and anything can happen in a fight between any two people you know when you I, I'm, not, I'm not about saying i beat brock you know i'm right. not saying that one in a thousand times even i beat brock mm-hmm. lesnar but maybe maybe one in eight million and if sure. that just so happens to be the one time it's on TV, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, it, yeah. it,
0: it, it's such a funny thing. Like, if you hear the story of how, like, the, the Brawl for All came to be in its conception, what a petty place the WWE is to work. You know, like, yeah. I don't like this, this. This asshole in the locker room talks big. What if he in a real fight? What if I, who have a certain degree of power and control, put him in a real fight? Let Then let's see what happens. Yeah. Like, The idea is to sell tickets to a fake fight. Shut the fuck up, Vince Russo. (laughs) Jesus Christ. You can't handle men acting like men. Maybe go work someplace else. Asshole. Um, (laughs) And I found my clip for for TikTok. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Me calling Vince Russo an asshole. All right, moving on. Um, So Butterbean knocks out Bart Gunn, embarrasses him, and out of the company he goes... You know, you, when you're there watching it live, it's a kind of a fun moment. But you know, for any of us that like had even a hope that Bark Gun was gonna last even a minute with Butterbean, this was a giant waste of time.
1: Yeah. I mean, um, as, as someone who was coming into this pretty fresh at mm-hmm. the point, I mean, I didn't know that the brawl for all was a thing going into this. So when mm-hmm. I when I sort of watched this fresh for the first time, I was thinking, I mean, I've heard of Butterbean, you know, this this might be pretty uh, pretty entertaining. Uh, thinking it was going to be kind of worked, I suppose. I mm-hmm. thought this was going to be a, along the same lines as Piper, Mister T, and right. whoa, wow, it's not. <laughs> <This> <laughs> no, is, no, sir. This is this is this is just a man being punished in front of people. Yep. <laughs> there were, we a the
2: li- to, there were a lot better ways.
1: There were a lot better ways to handle
0: human resources. To. This wasn't it. Yeah, um, this
1: is the, the worst. The worst slip in human resources until Daniel Puder. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well done. And there's my Uh, there's my clip. (laughs) All
0: right. So um, in your storyline match, you have mankind defeating the Big Show to become the referee. Uh, This is uh, watching this back. I had actually forgotten all about this, but this is the one where um, where uh big show just loses his patience with mankind chokes lands him through the chair and vincent McMahon's like that's not what i wanted dumbass i wanted you to yeah. be the ref to screw austin and you blew it you big dummy and paul white's thinking in his head like i quit wcw for this
1: um, <laughs> yeah and then then he goes to a local law facility well mankind goes to a local <laughs> medical facility Yes. More on that. More on this later. (laughs) Yep. (laughs)
0: Um, So we have Road Dog defeating Goldust with the Blue Meanie, Ken Shamrock, and Val Venus for the four corners into Continental Match. This is less than 10 minutes. This is, again, you're watching Raw and and it's contemporaneous. This is fine. You probably invested in this match. Watching it back, I was like, wait, what now? And it seemed like the whole focus of this was the incest angle they were trying to push with Ryan Shamrock and Ken Shamrock,
1: which, ugh. This this is a guy who you know, eighteen months prior to this could have been the face of the company. Yeah, and here we have him in a in a match that he had no he had no influence on this match. You take mm. Ken Shamrock out of this aside from that stupid incense, in, incense, incest nonsense, mm. and there's there's no point to him being there really. No, um, I think the biggest thing about this and the the hardcore match before it is. I think the writing was on the wall for the outlaws as singles wrestlers before mm-hmm. they tried it in earnest. I think they should have realized what they had at this point and this should have been the precursor to let's not split them up and give give them yeah. their 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 own things here because maybe not.
0: So Kane with China defeats Triple H by DQ. This is, as you mentioned, this is the reunification of China and Triple H, only to break break the whole thing up later. Um, eh, It's a match. Cable, uh, sorry, Sable defeats Tori. I forgot who the hell Tori was. Like she I'd walked like out, I'm like, "Who's this broad?"
1: I'd like to see cable versus
0: Tori. <laughs> we wouldn't. Um, yeah. Like, do you was Tori anybody? Was she like an indie wrestler or something? What? What the hell was she?
1: I, I I think that at the time, if memory serves me right, she had wrestling experience. She wasn't mm-hmm. a Sports Illustrated model coming in, um, right? But I think she like she wasn't along the same lines of your Ivories or. Mm-hmm uh, you know, like, like later on, like jazz or, or Victoria. And um, so I think I had wrestling experience. She was picked mm-hmm. as, as a kind of compromise of look plus ability. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the, I think the most important thing that she did within the company really was a year later when she's paired in this awkward DX, but it's only x pack yeah. and Tori kind of nonsense right. that that happens a, a year a year uh, after this but the yeah i mean I, about, I, I thought she was the fine. best thing about yeah. that
0: match was the run dmc dx intro sorry go ahead
1: <laughs> yeah no i mean you you are completely correct there completely correct <laughs> um and the fact that uh yeah she 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 looked good in green but she did yeah she th- this this was a, a, a sable vehicle really yep. i think this is this is one thing i would take off the card and not bother with, but then I made my feelings on stable kind of clear to this point. I'm
0: <laughs> sure there were people there that bought tickets to see Sable Shaker ass, so it is what De- it is. Def-
1: definitely, the site. There was always signs saying exactly that. You know, yeah, it's uh, definitely not a uh, not not for me to criticize. <laughs> um,
0: next up, we get Shane McMahon with Test defeating X-Pac for the European title. <sighs> it's it, again like, when you're like watching it. it on go ahead
1: i i, I like this match i mm-hmm. i think at this point i think this is more one of the more fun matches on the card at this point as well first mm-hmm. viewing of it i didn't know that shane mcmahon wasn't a wrestler mm-hmm. I, I mean i i got the storyline and stuff but yeah it wasn't until afterwards when i realized more of what i know now the sort of further appreciation that shane was actually always pretty good He's always pretty yeah. good in the ring. Shane and I mean, is I better than he had any
0: right to be. Fun,
1: I think this is a good, fun, gimmicky kind mm-hmm. of match, and I, it was a vehicle <laughs> to what happens afterwards. Admittedly, but Shane proving to be quite a, you know, chicken shit heel, I, mm-hmm. I, and you know the the um, the running away through the whole thing, especially from someone who, when you look at him, X Pac's not a, a physically intimidating guy compared to other guys mm-hmm. on the roster. I thought it was all pretty good. I, no. I, I stand by that. I think it holds up.
0: No, Shane always was uh, better than any right to be. The pro- problem I think with Shane is he—he's not a wrestler. He was a McMahon. He's part of—he's he, a character in a storyline, and he's mm. trying awful hard, and I give him a lot of credit for that. Yeah. But there's there's always a wrestler out there that could have been in that spot. In, that's in true, the, yeah. And I mean, that's true, think... yeah. that's my 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 big issue with him. But the other side of that is all anyone remembers about Shane is him diving off a of high precipices. You know, yeah, they, or the they forget the, that he the, could actually the King of hold the ring match. Yeah, they, they, or SummerSlam where he yeeted off the fucking you know Titantron.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's the thing is see see now actually looking back at it, I think the biggest question of, question mark around this match is how did Shane not squash him in seconds?
2: <laughs> no, I think about it. like Shane, Shane
1: should not have been uh, taking punishment from X Pack. Yeah, I think he was no doing shit. the guy a favor, selling for him. <laughs>
0: so i love this next match it's a terrible match but i love the ending of it because it's so like if you want to see a mat you want to see an ending to a match absolutely like elate and kill a crowd at the same time i was there live for that where you know so the undertaker and bossman have their ha- have their match inside of a hell in the cell that they don't actually use it like the hell in the cell was utterly irrelevant here but they had it they wanted to use it so they did so they did it and then like well what are we going to do with this <laughs> Well, who's gonna fall off this? the other ticket's like, I'm not doing that shit again. And you know, the big boss man's like, I'm not going up there. Fuck you. And so, like, okay, well, what if we hang you from it?
1: Because what, because here's what this...
0: wrestling needed was a good old fashioned Texas hanging.
1: What, what's most remarkable about this is that it's still not the worst thing that happened to boss man in a cell. <laughs> <laughs> I think that really the, the most remarkable thing about this is that being hung by the brood. <laughs> very obviously on a harness is not the worst thing to happen to him inside the hell of a cell.
0: Yeah. it's I, I don't but, know how, like, they have to talk about these things. They, 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 that whole sketch there had to be planned out, and they had to make sure he was going to be safe, which means this had to go through several meetings and conversations yeah. and safety protocols. And at no point did anyone say, we're going to have a basketball arena full of people and a worldwide audience on television at home. Do we really want to hang a guy with a yeah. noose in I America? Mean,
1: yeah, this, 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 this is this is probably and again probably a fact check, but this is not long after the likes of you know Mississippi burnings been released and things like that. <laughs> like this is just so so bad in in so many ways.
0: Yeah. And
1: again, like I don't even think it's his worst angle of the year either. I, I don't <laughs> think it's the worst thing that happens to Boss Man in nineteen ninety nine.
0: You know, I told my son about it. He he left, it. He left. I think, after one of the matches. He was like, yeah, I'm kind of done with this for now. Call me back when they hang a guy. And I'm like, you got it, buddy. So they hang the boss man. And he's watching. And he was like, and he kind of makes the crusty face like, wait, what? And, and then he's like, so what happened after the boss man? Did he die? And I'm like, no, miraculously hanging him didn't kill him. Um, yeah, but he will on,
1: go on, on on Raw the next night. Fine. Yeah, <laughs> but, So here's fine. what I tell my son, poor poor kid.
0: I'm like, so the boss man will go on to do a lot of dastardly things. He will jump on top. He will uh, he will he will steal a casket with Big Show's father, dead father, in it, and drive it away, Benny Hill style. Um, and then, uh, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, and then there's the time he chopped up Al Snow's dog and served it to him as dinner and called yeah. it pepper steak. And my son, thinking I'm being serious that a that a dog had to die for this gimmick. Thinks, you know, absolutely starts to cry and goes, I can't believe he killed a dog. That's too much. I'm like, oh, easy, buddy. Easy. It was a fiction. It was a
1: fiction. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Um, I mean, wow. Well, just yeah. wow. Well, there, there should be a dark side of the ring about that Kennel Ken, Ken, from Hell <laughs> match. It should just be one about that. Just show the match in its entirety and then have one person just talk about it. That's, that, that, I'd, I'd watch that.
0: The Kennel from <laughs> Hell is my favorite Crap moment by far it yeah. is so bad
1: I, I think it's actually it's it's that or the, the the casket for me i genuinely believe that it's one of the two both moments including the big boss man which is just <laughs> just insane now we're talking about this this the, the the hanging in the hell in a cell actually is a pretty good now i think about it <laughs> one of the better things to happen to the guy in 1999 <laughs> that's a hell of
0: a, I mean like he doesn't die too long like for real doesn't die too long yeah. after his run in the wwf it's and it's like, like
1: 2001 or two i believe
0: yeah no. like what a way to go out in your career it's like so i'm gonna i'm gonna come back to the wwf and have this really great run as like this heel and a character and i'm gonna get hung i'm gonna kill a dog and i'm gonna rob a corpse
1: yeah it's like that's 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 it the guy was absolutely badass in the, like the six mm-hmm. months running up to this um and if, you know we've mentioned earlier like the the, the ministry of darkness undertaker like mm-hmm. still my or my only um iteration of the undertaker that i've ever truly really really liked was the ministry yeah. of darkness and yeah just and the thing is like edge as well like edge this was his first mm-hmm. wrestlemania appearance he's probably my favorite wrestler of all time mm-hmm. and this is his first his first thing is him Christian and Gangrel badly struggling to kick a hole through a newly (laughs) a a newly reinforced cell because we can't can't risk someone falling through it again so actually it's now extremely difficult to get to get a hole made in this structure it's not even gimmicked for them I don't think I remember hearing that Um, and they're just literally having to kick through Enforced steal on a live pay-per-view broadcast right.
0: <laughs> with, with, like with an audience of families. With an audience of families in the audience going, I, I just wanted to see a fun wrestling match.
1: Yeah, <laughs> why they are jogged, we hanging people? They, they should have the, the, the brood should have brought out a casket. They should have raised the cell, put them in the casket, wheeled them off. Right. Yeah. Great. You yeah. know what? Put the yeah. casket on fire if you need to go. You need to go bigger. You know what I mean? Gimmick the bottom of the casket. Put them under mm. the ring. Boom. Set the thing on fire. There you go. Or, Dastardly.
0: Or here's the thing. They all they come up through the mat and they pull the boss man down to hell. Done. Bob's your father, you know, Bob's your father, we're, we're out of here. Yeah, yeah. This was utterly un- poor taste and did, unnecessary. And I laugh did, about it now, but I remember back then going, Yeah. Why I remember thinking to myself, like, why do I why am I here?
1: Why do I do that would this? have worked, especially? I think that the brood the brood were doing the fire gimmick for their mm-hmm. entrance at this stage, I right. believe. I think they've not been doing it long. But I mean, mm-hmm. that's one way to put it over. Drag the boss yeah. man back down to hell in in it. It's probably only going to work on a stadium ramp, really into it. But um, not when you've just got the concrete floor under the the, the mm-hmm. tarpaulin or whatever they've laid out for the entrances. But yeah, million different things they could have done that would have been just as
0: yeah. You know, million different things that aren't a hanging. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All <laughs> right. and finally we have steve austin versus the rock in the you know kicking out of a million the first time really we see the kicking out of a million finishers match which the first time you see it it's awesome when you see it for 20 years in every match after in a young bucks match not so much um but this is a neat no dq match for the championship the corporation were banned at ringside mankind was special guest referee it's a lot it's fun um it's a good time at the office they it was the culmination of a years-long story told well, acted upon with great actors. What more can you say about it? Austin Austin and The Rock are never going to be, you know, like Chris Benoit and Kurt Angle, but they they put on a fine show, and again, not everybody in the audience is a wrestling snob, so... I'll give you the final word on WrestleMania 15, and then we are going to like hit overdrive, get into WrestleMania 2000. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, Re- WrestleMania 15, definitely, the, the main event is definitely a, a smoke and mirrors, sizzle and steak mm-hmm. sort of situation where they, they, they knew the limitations of the performers. They knew it was being carried on charisma over in-ring ability necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the first time on this level you'd seen that kind of, three three stunners, three rock bottoms, kick out finishers, all, all that sort of stuff. And for my money, this is the, the best of their three mania matches for for, for me for sure. personally. Um I just think that for, for the importance for the storyline up to it. I know that seventeen's got the, you know, I need to beat you rock and it's 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 a better promo package, put it that way. But this for me is is my favourite of the trilogy. And for sure. yeah, I, I think it was a great way to top off. The yeah, event. they were both and they were both you young said, and sp- it, it kicks it in.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: They were both young and spry here. Um, this isn't like 19 yeah. where Austin's being held together by tiny pieces of chalk. Um, this isn't 17 with the horseshit ending. You know, this you're right. This is the first best and the first and best of the chapters between these three, between the three matches. All right, so that's it. Austin's the champion again, and now it's year two. We're into the we're into the second book of the Austin reign. Uh, we're at backlash 29, uh, two, 1919. Jesus Christ. What's wrong with me?
1: Um, backlash yes, ninety nine.
0: <laughs> thank you. Backlash 99. I can tell I've been doing this too long. Um, <laughs> and this is Steve Austin and the rock in a no holds barred match with Shane McMahon as the referee, the undertaker versus Ken Shamrock, triple H versus X-Pac, mankind versus the big show in the boiler room brawl. Um, Honestly, I barely remember this, um, but, you know, I, I remember the buildup to it. I remember the, a lot of the fun stuff The Rock was doing to antagonize uh, Steve Austin. It's fine. You know, but we're, we're doing more of what we've been doing. Uh, we move on to No Mercy. Uh, that's the UK pay-per-view. No, okay. Over the Edge. Look, I don't want to derail in the entire podcast by talking about something that needs a long time to talk about. Pat and I covered yeah. it already when we talked about the Owen Hart Dark Side of the Ring. All anyone's ever going to remember about Over the Edge is Owen Hart dying in, a, in yeah. an accident that didn't need to happen. Yeah. The um, thing is,
1: it's it's, it's not, there's, there's no real high points on the show even taking that no. out. And I don't want to make it into a wrestling, you know, a wrestling conversation about that show because it certainly mm-hmm. shouldn't be. But I mean, I, there's nothing of relevance really happens. I don't feel on it.
0: Nope. Um, whatever was not supposed to happen much. on that show, uh, you know, they, they whatever was supposed to happen with the main event. What does happen is that the undertaker defeats Steve Austin, uh, in a singles match to win the, uh, the WWF championship, the rock defeats triple H by DQ. Um, and then that's it. The less said about this, this one, the better moving on. Yeah. Um, we go to the King of the ring, 1999, uh, Vince McMahon. Oh, this is the infamous ladder match. Where we still to this day, like we don't know who did GTV, we don't know who. who, There's so many mysteries in the WWF. Who who moved the cat? Who moved the 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 briefcase? That's the question. (laughs) (laughs) Steve Austin goes to goes for the briefcase. Someone goes whoop, and and Steve Austin's like, "What the hell?" And it was for I think a WWF contract at the time, and he doesn't get it. Um, Yeah, yeah. Vince McMahon and Shane end up defeating Steve Austin. Uh, the Undertaker defeats The Rock for the WWF Championship. Um, again, it was a show. Um, more, more, another chapter in the long-reigning chapter of these people. Uh, we go to Fully Loaded, 1999. We have Steve Austin, who I guess had become champion along the road there, defeating The Undertaker in a first blood match. Uh, due to The Undertaker losing, Vince McMahon could no longer appear on WWF television. Ha! <laughs> Austin <laughs> lost, he would have never had another shot at the WWF championship. Um, yeah. triple H with China defeats the Rock in a fully loaded scrap match for the right for the number one contendership to the WWF championship at SummerSlam. Yeah, we're building towards Triple H being pushed into the main event. That's the whole point of this whole summer feud is we're trying to get Triple H into the main event scene for the first time, which takes us to SummerSlam in Minneapolis. Um This is the Mankind, Steve Austin, Triple H, Triple Threat Match with your special guest referee, Governor Jesse Ventura. Yeah. Uh, Mankind ends up winning so that we can build towards our next big feud. Uh, And so he's your WWF champion again, uh, which takes us to Unforgiven. We have Triple H defeating the Big Show, the British Bulldog, Kane, Mankind and the Rock in a six-pack challenge for the WWF championship. And so again, we're, we're firm. I, I guess the point of all of this was we were eventually going to get the triple H versus the rock in WrestleMania. But I, I guess by the time we got there, no one was convinced those two were going to be able to, uh, we're going to be able to sell that show on their own. Yeah. You know, and the, and the, the underlying a lot, thing of a lot
1: all... of hot shotting between these cards.
0: Yeah. Um, after SummerSlam is no mercy, which we talked about earlier. Uh, this is Triple H defeats Stone Cold in an Anything Goes WWF match. Uh, The Rock defeats the British Bulldog. This is um, just because you mentioned it earlier, then this is like the, honestly, this is the only thing of uh, now that I'm looking at it, is the only thing I really remember about this whole m- match is China defeating Jeff Jarrett in the Good Housekeeping Garbage Match.
1: Which, oh, was infamous- that? Oh man, I thought yeah. I
0: was,
1: I was absolutely certain that was a fully loaded. Oh well. <laughs>
0: Um Absolutely that sorry. is a everything is I a know is a lie. match.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it was <laughs> really good match It's probably you know, and the highlight of Jeff Jarrett's WWE career. <laughs> it's up there. Um <laughs> uh, the the
0: the best thing about that match to me is knowing that Jeff Jarrett like signed like a one day extension or whatever it was to get it done um and that he got a ridiculous payday out of it. Like I don't hate WWF, yeah. WWE. I don't hate Vince McMahon. They, brought a lot of joy to my life but anytime a wrestler as mistreated as some of the wrestlers are anytime one of them really gets over on Vince and there's nothing Vince can do about it anytime he takes a little, little shot in the bum I'm here for it and Jeff Jarrett yeah. gave him a shot in the bum there yeah yep. a little bit of humble yeah, pie that,
1: that 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 was the uh the, the the money to start up a money to start <laughs> up his own promotion that was this, this <laughs> match. very important yep. in the big picture that match also I had the uh the ladder match tag team ladder match between um Edge and Christian and the
0: Oh, that's right, yeah, the, 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 the um, finale of the TIT tournament.
1: Which, yeah, the TIT tournament, God Almighty. Um, <laughs> which which is, is, in its own way, sort of important to the build to yeah. WrestleMania.
0: Well. That, absolutely, is, is, that's a very good point, Stuart. Because without that, you know, we don't have what, what comes after. And what comes after is monumental in WrestleMania history. Yeah. Um, so that's No Mercy 1999, which takes us to the Survivor Series 1999 uh your matches here are you have the big show defeating triple h and the rock and a triple threat match um you have china defeating chris jericho for the intercontinental title which was a big deal at the time
1: at least he and... wasn't coming out to judas <laughs> yeah
0: um <laughs> and that takes us to armageddon 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 out of here uh yeah. triple h this is my this this is a monumental show. Uh, you have Triple H defeating Mr. McMahon, and this is this is the onset of the McMahon Helmsley era. Because at this point, I don't think Triple H was really working on TV as a main event heel. He, you know, he's this is where he was. This is he had been in the game, and he had like that weird techno music, and no one really bought it. It's here where Triple H really has his own character. Him and Stephanie is the McMahon Helmsley era. You know people hate it but you were supposed to hate it so it works you know it yeah. did exactly what it was supposed to do um but it's another it's, it's another cog in place for the big mcmahon family feud that's going to dominate wrestlemania 2000. <laughs> um big boss man defeat a big show defeats the big boss man we talked about what led up to that the unfortunate casket incident um and the rock and sock connection of mankind and uh the rock defeat the new age outlaws for the tag team um by disqualification that takes us to the Royal Rumble 2000, which the match is sort of incidental. Um, what really, what's really important here is the street fight between Triple H and Cactus Jack. This in- was in-
1: incidental. Tell that to Takamichi Noku's face. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> it's the, the my my favorite bump in wrestling history.
0: Uh, this Take is the debut of third. Kaz. With taz yes. and kurt angle have like a really sh- a short but for what they did a pretty cool match um you have the hardy boys defeating the dudley boys uh in a tables match which again is important for what's going to happen next um you have chris jericho and defeating china and hardcore holly for the intercontinental title um and then again you have triple h and cactus jack uh in a street fight which was awesome by the way this is at madison square garden i was not at this one um is this Madison square garden
1: yeah Definitely.
0: Yes, uh and then The Rock well, the, be- first,
1: the first wrestling pay per view I watched live on TV, mm-hmm. incidentally, because Channel Four in the UK carried it and it was okay. the first time I was able to actually sit up and watch watch it live. Um so yeah. Another another show that I, I love for nostalgia slash sentimentality <laughs> reasons. So yeah.
0: And then The Rock defeats uh the big show. Um th- so The Rock wins the Royal Rumble. So that's that. Uh, then we go to No Way Out, which is tremendous, uh, and it's tremendous because again, this another thing that solidifies Triple H's character really gives him some some dimension, some personality. This is where we start to see the mallet happening. This is where they do the Hell in the Cell, and the Hell in the Cell becomes like ingrained as part of his character. Uh, him and Cactus Jack have a phenomenal Hell in the Cell match, one of the better ones. Yeah. Um, and then the Big Show defeats the Rock to determine the number one contender the wwf championship so again we have four guys all sort of orbiting the wwe title around this time and that brings us to finally 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 chris bailey chris bailey chris bailey wrestlemania 2000 or wrestlemania 16 which is Okay, um, a lot of things are happening around this time. Uh, again, we're having more jumps over to the WWF than we are to WCW, which is a dying company by this point. It's it's honestly its, la- its This is, after this is sort of, you know, uh, speeding towards its demise, yeah. W-W- WCW is. And so a lot of people are jumping ship. And so we get the influx of the radicals, Chris Benoit, Eddie Guerrero, who are going to be big time players going forward. Perry Saturn, not so much. And Dean Malenko is going to be an agent. But they're there for they're here for this pay-per-view. Um, you know, Chris Jericho, who had jumped over by this point, is a big deal uh, and is a big-time player. And you know, in the, in the WWF mid-card scene, um, you know, you get the inaugural tables ladder. You get the inaugural uh, three-man ladder match, which eventually becomes tables, ladders, and chairs by SummerSlam. So, while the matches themselves are not great, a lot in a lot of cases, the, the event itself. Is a very important one in the history of the wwe not to mention this is also one where i think they had like no celebrities and vince mcmahon is quoted as saying yeah after everything that's happened to this company since the end of the hogan era after everything that happened with the new generation and the steroid trial to finally be the top company in the world again by a long stretch the 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 celebrities of this one are the wrestling are the wrestling stars themselves
1: yeah i think i think it was only iced tea um that 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 was a sort of celebrity endorsement of this, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly. He um they'd done was it Ruth, the ruthless aggression CD? No, 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 it wouldn't have been mm-hmm. by that point. It was another one but they'd done the crossover, yeah, um kind of remix album mm-hmm. where they had you know Ice T doing the Pimpin' ain't easy, and they had like the Run DX theme that you mentioned earlier on. That was one of the better versions of it yeah <laughs> um but yeah like that that was that was the the bigger thing on that and that probably cross cross promotion to sell sell an album at uh, uh, the most part but
0: it's also like a very vince russo e-pay-per-view where vince russo's philosophy allegedly was everyone should have an angle every, if you're if you're on the roster you should have an angle uh yeah. which i think goes in conflict with with what how bruce britchard and Vince McMahon felt but that's what that was what was the leading philosophy of the time and if you look yeah. at this wrestlemania every match does have an angle whether it needed to it be there does, or I mean, not.
1: It, it, it's it's very crowded. I mean, I think that if you yeah. look at like the hardcore Battle Royale, especially, mm-hmm. it, it's probably the first real example going back to whichever early Wrestlemania had that uh, kind of weird Battle Royale thing in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's one of the sort of big examples of what would follow in terms of everyone gets, everyone gets the Mania paper mania paper, you know, yeah. the Mania payday, rather, um, that we'd see with, you know, the, the Andre Battle Royale and Mm -hmm. Uh, later years and and, you know multi multi multi-man ladder matches like money in the bank just for having more guys on the card and as a result it's very bloated it's quite the opposite you mentioned that wrestlemania 14 was very lean this is quite the opposite Mm -hmm. you know there's not uh, there's not a traditional singles match on this card Um, and as a result it does feel very overbooked and it does feel very yeah um i i
0: don't love this wrestlemania it's, yeah. a, it's an important WrestleMania for everyone that's on it and what it means to the company and everything that happens after. But watching it was a fucking chore. Um, so uh, we start off with the Boss Man and bull Buchanan versus the Godfather and D'Lo Brown with ice tea and the O-Train, which was fun. Um, you have the, hard, the Hardcore Battle Royal, which was just such a silly thing but it was awesome to watch at the time yeah
1: they cocked up the ending quite obviously as well yeah um, they, they mistimed the ending but it was it was the payoff that we needed and it was good fun sure. throughout it so i think that you know it's really being a bit nitpicky really yeah. but knowing hardcore holly um and his his philosophy on things <laughs> um he probably he probably kicked a dog on his way home that night just to make himself <laughs> feel better
0: Sure. Yeah, T and, and starting matches that didn't need to be here. TNA of Tess and Albert with Trish Stratus yeah. defeating Head Cheese, of Al Snow and Steve yeah. Blackman.
1: I like them as a pairing. I mean, probably not for the sure. WrestleMania card. Um yes. I mean the whole thing, like Chester mccheesington and stuff, like good fun. Definitely a bit for the mm-hmm. kids. Um, but uh, it didn't need to be. It didn't need to be here. Sunday Night Heat, sure, sure, not main card. Not main card. Too much nonsense.
0: Oh, that is a hunt. Look, I loved head cheese as a as a, as a fun idea. And it, it absolutely should, should be on Raw. It did not need to be on any pay-per-view ever. Um, yeah. And you have the triangle ladder match, which would eventually become TLC between Edge and Kristen Dudley Boys and the Hardy Boys, where Jeff Hardy began a long line of events where he nearly kills himself. Uh, this was, you know, Edge, I think this is the one where Edge does the spear off the ladder. No, uh, 17. Oh, is it a 17? Okay. Um, yeah. I can't remember what big stunt happens other than the, Jeff going off the ladder. Th- this, but...
1: th- this this particular one is more, I'd, I'd probably say it's a more work rate mm-hmm. of the, the, the sort of trilogy, because um, they they were coming off the Royal Rumble. They'd had the tables match with the, the Dudleys, uh, mm-hmm. the Royal Rumble, the Hardys, obviously. I mean, um, and this, this was just, I think it was more trying on the big stage. There was mm-hmm. no big, big moments. I wouldn't say so much in this match. Um, a mm-hmm. lot of carnage, very, uh, very exciting, fast-paced, quite short comparatively as well. If I remember right, without looking at the actual timings of the match. But the big thing of it was the sort of the ending. It was you know it was the structure that they'd created in the middle. Again, that's not mm-hmm. really been seen as certainly not in a WWF WWE event at that point. Was you know. Edge and Christian had the the table flat out at the top of the ladders celebrating on it and it was just it was the spectacle of it and it was it was great but absolutely overshadowed by what followed it the following year. It mm-hmm. was probably overshadowed by what happened at SummerSlam.
0: I was for sure overshadowed um, by and, what happened
1: and, at SummerSlam. I, and I would I would also probably say that it's it's weaker than either the No Mercy Ladder match or the Rumble Tables match. But for a WrestleMania match, it was still it was spectacle. Do you watch
0: the? Did you, did you watch Ruthless Aggression on uh, Peacock? The second season at the very least? Yeah,
1: yeah, I've, I've seen the second series of it. Yeah.
0: So I love the episode of the week, the first women's revolution. And thinking back to like the old the kind of kvetching that goes on in that episode about how the women were just treated as like valets and sex objects, and they really weren't given a chance to work. And I was like, huh, you know, I, I just I don't remember being that bad. And then I watched this <laughs> the cat versus the horny she devil, Terry Runnels, <laughs> yeah. gagged me with yeah. a spoon. Oi. Yeah. I mean, the, was the a, thing was I was cat... embarrassed for women since yeah. the dawn of time on that one.
1: Cat had a fun backstage segment. I think the one thing rewatching this for this show, mm-hmm. um I, I really think my my takeaway of it is that I think that. Jerry King Lawler is, is better not on commentary anymore. Like I really do. I think he's definitely a product of the Attitude Era. I think he outstayed his welcome by a a, a long, long shot. I yeah. think that uh, you know, it's fine for what it is then. But it's it's like if you compare it to like a carry-on movie or something like that, like it was it was okay then because that's how the world was. It doesn't mm-hmm. have a place in modern society anymore. yeah that's what i think of jerry jerry lawler's commentary through this show especially
0: you know jim Cornette. uh, i want to go off on a tangent here but jim Cornette like bags on excalibur from um aew and we all hate michael cole and and like over the years there have been some truly awful commentating and there's been some really good ones but like i listen to jerry lawler and i and i go back even to like the early 90s when he was there by this point he really is just utterly useless. Like he adds nothing to the commentary. Like Jim Jim Ross is solid and, and always is, has been solid, and you always get the feeling that Jim Ross was genuinely reacting to what was happening in front of him. Jerry the King Lawler looks like he had his box of phrases that he yelled, and that was about it.
1: Yeah, but Jerry
0: Lawler sucks by two thousand.
1: Yes, definitely. <laughs> can, 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 um, yeah, can't disagree at all
0: um cat and terry this is less this is three minutes of my life i'd rather have back uh, i think cat yeah in the in in the fun little backstage thing she does where she's naked and they're doing you know the austin powers yeah, thing yeah. of you know delicately covering so, yeah. up her naughty parts that's quite, fine. quite I enjoyed funny that. yeah
1: quite funny o- only only did, one-on-one match on the card as well only one-on-one match.
0: Did, didn't need her in her stripper outfit wrestling Terry runnels who clearly is not a wrestler um yeah, well you say didn't need it <laughs>
1: I mean, it was, yeah. I mean, I'll nice watch it ask. again, and I won't be—I won't be proud of it. But I'll watch it again. Sorry, <laughs> <Sure>. late at <laughs> night,
0: wife's gone to sleep, doesn't want to be woken yeah. up. I can absolutely see watching that again. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, China in too cool versus the radicals. They, they were hip at the they were hip at the time they were a thing that's happening it was all fine they all needed to be there at that time like you look back on it like why does this need to be here because at the this, time those were the more popular wrestlers on the roster
1: this eventually led to a t-shirt that said Va China on it this awesome. match so <laughs> i mean there's, there's got that going for it if you, if you wanted a t-shirt that said i'd rather be in for china sure brilliant um, marketing <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: The <laughs> next one, the next one's really good. It's one of the better matches on the card. Uh, Benoit, Jericho, and Angle, uh, who are awesome together, and you know, I think they, at least some or all of them would be part of the SmackDown Seven in years to come. Just, yeah. just a great, great, good old-fashioned, solid wrestling match. And it's, and this was awesome as an angle because Kurt Kurt Angle loses both of his titles and doesn't get pinned or submitted Naria once. Yeah. So, awesome storytelling yeah.
1: here. It was, it was great. And I mean I think his only loss to that point had come at the Royal Rumble from Taz. So I think it was his, his um aside from that, it was his only loss. And obviously there was he declared shenanigans on his Taz loss too. So it kept his kind of streak
2: mm-hmm.
1: intact in a capacity. We knew he'd been beaten, you know, he'd lost at the Rumble, he'd lost his belts at this match, but he could he could defend his own unbeaten record. You know i was choked out by an illegal hold i was never pinned to lose my belts so he gave him that continual arrogance which led you know more and more to the you suck stuff which led in turn to his main event push by the end of this year as well um so yeah solid stuff great fun match probably the the best work rate match on the card i'd say
0: well Stuart, i'll tell you uh the next thing that we're going to talk about the best thing about it is the run dmc remix of the degeneration theme song i still have it blaring in my head it's the only memorable thing about this and if you want to i'll tell you run dmc are you know they are not only the kings of rock but one of the great hip-hop uh groups in in the entire length and breadth of the history of rap music and if you would like to experience run dmc as i did as a child with raising hell and king of rock and tougher than leather and all these great albums that they put out do you know where stewart You could experience the length and breadth of run dmc's catalog for free where's that we're doing a plug stay with me brother
1: oh yeah yeah cool where (laughs) where Where?
0: (laughs) at amazon music unlimited don't you understand we are giving away a free 30-day trial of the amazon music unlimited service if you click the link, link in this podcast, get Amazon, the description of this podcast, Jesus. Uh, get Amazon Music.com slash W2M Network. Again, it's get Amazon Music.com slash W2M Network for your free 30 day trial of the Amazon Music Unlimited service. Over 70 million songs, including the entire Run DMC catalog. Uh, you might even find their cover of Degeneration X, which is fantabulastic. Um, Click the link, agree to the service. You have it for 30 days. It's fantastic. If you don't like it, and what? We'll I don't know why you wouldn't, but if you don't, you can cancel it at any time. No fuss, no muss, no contracts. If you keep it, it's comparable to the price of Spotify or Apple Music. It's just a great service. We use it all the time on the Metal Hammer of Doom and all the podcasts in between. So check out the link, get amazonmusic.com slash Network. It helps us out. It helps you out. Who doesn't like free music? Do you like free music, Stuart?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Who doesn't? We- Legal free music. <laughs> that's right. Legal free
0: music. With free music without malware. Um, which brings us to Kane and Rikishi versus DX. And this was again an excuse to play fun music and have Rikishi shove his ass into Pete Rose's face, into Tori's face, and to have everyone and to have Rikishi dance at the end, which this was an era where you came to watch Steve Austin and you came to watch Rikishi dance for some odd reason. That's that's what was happening yeah. in the world at the time.
1: I I still I, I forgot about Kane and Rikishi being a tag team when I watched this back and mm-hmm. I, honestly I I part of me thinks they don't tag again after this. <laughs> uh, just yeah. I mean the fact that Kane doesn't dance. I get I get why he doesn't. It probably would have been more damaging than the Pete Rose stuff before his WrestleMania 14 match but
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's a bit of a missed opportunity. Much like not putting him in green when he tagged with X-Pac but there we are. Yeah.
0: It's so funny that, like, two years ago, he's in the co-main against The Undertaker in a blood feud. Two years later, he's in a gimmick match with a fat guy that dances and shoves his ass in the people's faces. Yeah. Like, if you're Glenn <laughs> Jacobs, like, suppose you're just happy to have a job. But, but That's true. That's the true. ups and downs of Kane's history deserves its own <laughs> documentary. All right. And then, finally, this, this beleaguered, tortured, McMahon family feud that drove everybody crazy at the time. I I I do remember there being like a visceral online hate for this angle. Like, can we not do the McMahon's everywhere in every aspect of the show? Is there any way we could just have some wrestling without the McMahon? No. McMahon's all the time, everywhere. That's the whole focus of the show now. It's the McMahon hour. Yeah. If you say so, maybe someone will fall off a ladder. (laughs) And that and, and that's this. That's the I mean, it's four guys trying real hard to put on an entertaining match. Everyone kind of Working in concert effort to make up for the fact that there's no Steve Austin. Yeah. It's okay. It's, it's honestly, it's work rate, rise, work rate wise, it's fine. It's probably mid tier WrestleMania main event in terms of like star power and, you know, like genuine interest in, in the show. This was one of those deals where I was interested in the show and not the match. And that's yeah. kind of my final word on WrestleMania 2000. I I'll mean- give you the final word
1: now. My, mine would probably be that I think that they were unfortunate that they didn't start the the Triple H, uh, Mankind, Mick Foley saga a, a, a month prior to when they did. Because mm-hmm. I think that if you put their street fight, I know the importance of it happening at the Garden, blah, 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 but if you put that match and the, the um, propulsion of Triple H as king of the heels at this stage, if you start that in December... The Royal Rumble. You then have somehow you manage to have their their Hell in a Cell match or their retirement match for Mick Foley, um to further cement him as the Big Bad Bastard of the era. This match would have been good as it is as it plays out in in between that. So you have that in the the the, the road to WrestleMania with the WrestleMania being the WrestleMania main event, then being what we eventually get at backlash. Mm-hmm. the following month where you finally get the payoff you finally get the rock getting the belt back and having the big baby face win because this match in in terms of the era it's overbooked which is fine for the most part but you know the heel win for the first time in mania history and just the 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 cloudiness of it all you know the fact that it was so um focused on the mcMahon's Mm-hmm. rather than the talent, almost, was just, I don't think it was as fitting. Um, and mm-hmm. I think that if we slid this event one forward, and you put even Backlash itself as a show in the Mania slot, I think it actually works much better as a, a finale to the biggest show of the year. Anyway, I feel like it was more of an organic payoff to the booking that we'd had to this point.
0: Well, Stuart, uh, I appreciate you coming. Unfortunately, Pat, had, Pat messaged me during the show saying that there was a personal incident he had to deal with, so he couldn't be here. Chris Bailey couldn't be here because he had a work obligation that he could not get out of. But I'm very happy, number one, that you were able to make it because since you were such big fans of these shows. We had almost a three-hour conversation. Could you imagine if there were two other people here?
1: <laughs> oh, I know, I know. <laughs> this,
0: this worked out better than I could have possibly imagined. Um, so, Um, But no, it's been. hey man, it's been great. This has been a long, it was a long show. I, I'm sorry I kept you longer than I said I would, but not it was a time. fun conversation.
1: I really had a good time. Yeah. No, absolutely. I had a great time being on. Thanks so so much for having me. And if we can work something out again uh, to get me back in future, I'll would I'd be happy to talk about uh, talk about wrestling with you guys. Um, but yeah, thanks so much. And uh, sorry I missed the the Amazon Music plug. But uh, <laughs> other than that, <laughs> other than that, it's been great fun. And yeah, thanks very much for having me to defend defend the attitude era. is only I sure. Can. <laughs> I
0: and I, and that and and that, that's a great way to really end the show because you know, people look back on this stuff and I think they look back on it with modern eyes and it's like, no, you must understand the importance of these three shows. That's why we spent so much time on them. You know, if they didn't mean as much, I wouldn't, I wouldn't spend almost three hours on this, but they, when you think about what's going to happen in, in the years to come, none of those things happen without these three shows. And so, it's it's an important era in the history of professional wrestling and wwe specifically with that said next uh, the next time will be uh in february we're just going to look at wrestlemania 17 and we're just going to focus on wrestlemania 17 as a standalone show because we really do have to talk about the end of the monday night war and the death of wcw and so that'll be february 23rd at 10 a.m eastern standard hopefully chris and pat will be back or there won't be a show um in the meantime uh, for all your wrestling stuff, my son and I did a alternative commentary for beach break last night. We had, uh, we had lots of fun and you can, and it's when Dan Housen showed up and I was shaking my son going, it's Dan Housen. My son's like, what the hell is a Dan Housen?
1: <laughs> very <laughs> nice. Walk. Very evil. Yes. He, he, <laughs> does he, he, he know what Shikara? No, <laughs> he does
0: not. Nor, nor did he watch Ring of Water. Um, so we had a lot of fun with that my son's always fun to watch wrestling with he always says some brilliant thing that that he says for an elementary school child um but this saturday for all you serious wrestling fans who take wrestling seriously there will not be a elementary school age child doing commentary but rather myself chris bailey and Christiane doing a uh alternative commentary for the entire royal rumble event so check that out when the show goes live at i think it's eight o'clock then so do we and we'll be there with you for the entire four plus hour event um we've also got reviews of battle of the belts uh we'll have an alternative commentary for the elimination chamber coming up in saudi arabia uh so check all of that out as well for those of you who like mma Dan Lasby and I just did a commentary for the entire main card of UFC 270. That's up in the archives, along with all of our boxing coverage from last year. Check that out. Tonight, Ronnie Adams is back. We're going to talk the Wheel of Time on Monday. He and I did a triple feature for Power of the Dog, The French Dispatch, and Cop Shop. Robert Winfrey and I talked Munich, The Edge of War. Plus, we did our year-end review uh, in terms of movie box office, finance, all that stuff. Um, last night, after I was done with my son, my uh Jesse Starcher, Robert Cooper, and I reviewed the Night Flight Orchestra. Gavin Napier forgot to mention this earlier. Gavin Napier will be doing a commentary for me, just the Royal Rumble 1992 event itself because he loves himself some Ric Flair and some 1992 Royal Rumble. So, we're going to watch the Royal Rumble and we're going to comment in it for your uh listening pleasure. And that's it, that's it for the week that was so for Stuart lang of formerly a 401mania or currently a 401mania.com <laughs> I'm Mark Rattledge be well be safe and behave